Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. So we're here for episode 162. I got my brother here co-hosting yet again. We're doing this, and I made the tease yesterday letting everybody know that today... I was going to be angry as fuck. Now, here's the deal with this. I still am pretty fucking mad about the shit that we're about to talk about. Unfortunately, the anger has transitioned more into frustration. Is that good news or bad news? Well, let's find out. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? We are your boys, the main men, the job soul brothers from the same exact mother. We are your host of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. I am AJ Orsini, and of course, joined by Brother Dave. Did you like the new intro? It's a new intro. I customized I it to I us. I see you made some modifications. Yes, we made a few some modifications to the original intro. We are two brothers of the same exact mother, uh, despite what New York City might have you believe. We absolutely are. Uh, and we are here with episode 162. And uh, people are wondering, oh boy, what the fuck is he so mad about? And uh, I throw a dart. There's a million different things that we're going to be talking about here today that have got me in a bit of an uproar. But before before we get into the angry stuff, which is which I know everyone's going to want to hear. They're going to want to hear what happened this week that got me all wild up and got me all fucking twisted into a knot. I have a question for Brother Dave. We're going to open up with a question from you. It's very, very important. Now, what happened? Oh, oh, what the hell? I hit the button and it got... What is happening? You're live. You're live, baby. No, I was hitting... I was punching buttons over here and all kinds of gibberidoo. But I need to know what happened during the course of this past weekend. When last we left you, my friend, you were enjoying the sweet, sweet sound. Of those traveling down to Staten Island, the pizzerias, the ponds, the water, the trees, all kinds of touristy shit down in Staten Island. How did your weekend go with the other island? The 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 weird border. The right island, the Rhode Island. (laughs) The Rhode Island. How'd that trip go for you? It was good. Got got some stress relief. Everything was nice. The weather was nice. The ride was nice. It was tough because we went late Friday instead of early Saturday, like we said. Uh, she just was eager to get out, so it was fine. But I'll tell you, after a long day of work and then hopping right into the car and driving for another four, four, five, six hours because we had to go somewhere else first before we left, it makes for a really long ride. But 
it was nice. It was a, a nice hotel. It was a nice run. It was nice scenery. We saw, we threw some rocks into some water. You know, some real just. We <laughs> threw some rocks stuff, into so. some water. That sounds real Staten Island. I think you can do that over there. <laughs> this is the major well, question, the one that all the fans are going to want to know about. Did you at any point in time drive through in either direction Staten Island? No. Okay. You avoided this <laughs> this uh, a scab of a city or town. Yeah. Or I heard a lot of bad was. things, so we just took the scenic route. There you go. Took the scenic route. There was a, was a 684 over a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hopped on the PA, was that Interstate 80 or whatever, and got the hell out of Dodge. Avoided it like the plague. That's a good idea. Hmm. <laughs> also, I wanted another opportunity to play that song. Okay, so we're going to talk. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I did. We're going to talk about a lot of different things here today, for Christ's sake. And uh, I wanted to start off with a topic that has me a little less pissed off. <laughs> Did you hey, get a chance? You, you said that you, you, you got all caught up this week. How was your first week of DVRing here? It's been a while since you've had to sit through all this kind of wrestling, all all within the span of a week. How, how'd that go? Oh, it was good. It kind of worked out pretty good. I was watching it throughout the week, but watching it while it was live was a little tough because I was just exhausted just from working and all the stuff we were doing. But uh, believe it or not, I saw a lot of it on Friday. Uh, a buddy of mine watches it too, and uh, I had it all saved. So it was cool to just kind of sit there and watch it with somebody. I just kind of streamed it on Discord, and we both kind of just kind of watched it and laughed at it and had a good time. So it's fun when you're watching with somebody else too who's interested in it. But it was really good. I actually enjoyed it. I had some favorites. I had some least favorites. What was uh, your favorite so far? So, so far, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I really, really, really was feeling raw. I liked mm. raw a lot. It was, I was, uh, you know, entertained from beginning to end. Uh, it was good. I don't know, there's nothing, no standout crazy moments, but I just found myself enjoying it much more than the other programs. What was it so. about Raw? Because I remember you texted me. You're like, yo, right now, Raw, hey, <laughs> Raw's yeah, the, we'll see, Raw's we'll see as time goes on, but... I don't know, man. The raw thing, the whole uh, Mexican wrestler Otis thing was just okay. Yeah, <laughs> El Gran Gordo, Senor Pique. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Me and my boy rewinded that like six times, man. Just had to watch that one part over and over. It was just too good, man. But yeah, I don't know. It was just good. It was. It was just good. I enjoyed it. So. So I. I I'm that glad. Was okay. Okay, I'm glad that you got you got a chance to see some some wrestling that actually that you actually enjoyed. There's a segment on the other channel that we're gonna have to talk about later, and I'm mm-hmm. and I and I owe you an apology, but we'll get to that <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. That's that's some uh, some teasing there. We'll tease for some of that material a little later on. But okay. uh, for those of you paying attention or living under a rock, either or, this Sunday we got a big pay per view. Uh, David jumped in right at the fall season here where the pay-per-views usually tend to lack, but we have a jam-packed, and by jam-packed, I mean like only five things really happening. This is going to be a short discussion, but we're here to bring you up to speed here, and this Sunday live on the WWE Network, 7 p.m., we are having Hell in a Cell. Now, here's the thing about Hell in a Cell. My brother may not... Uh, have seen much wrestling recently, but my brother was there 
for Hell in a Cell numero uno. You were there for the very, very first Hell in a Cell. I don't mean there as in live in St. Louis. You, you, you remember the Hell in a Cell when it debuted, do you not? I mean, I was a little young, vaguely. I'm sure if you put the match on, I would remember it as it's going, but I probably couldn't call it too much. I do remember you were, it was, it was 1997, October 1997, which would have made you about 12. Uh, mm. I do remember Kane debut fucking you up. Oh, I don't man. know if that's something that sticks out. Greatest wrestler of all time. The, the greatest in-ring big man of all time. Kane. Oh, my God. Biggest fan. You guys want to know who my favorite wrestler is? It's Kane, man. You're not no the one only one. There's more respect than that, man. <laughs> There's a lot of guys, a lot of big guys, too, that I know in the industry that are huge Kane guys. Big Jen Glacup. Glacup? Jacob Marks. Uh, they go. love Kane. Uh, Kane definitely. We're gonna have a conversation about Kane. Uh, there's a, a an episode coming up where we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be talking about some of the best big men in the business. And you know, I know that you're gonna have a, a lot to say about the Kane. Spoiler uh, alert! It's Kane. It's Kane. <laughs> it's like don't even bother listening, folks, unless you want to listen to 60 minutes of me talking about Kane's greatest yeah, unadulterated Kane statistics. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, so we, it'll take me 15 minutes just to get through his Royal Rumble resume. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, so we're, um, the first ever Hell in a Cell always left the mark on me. Obviously, the second one, I've told the story on this show, The Undertaker and Mankind, King of the Ring, that Hell in a Cell was the one where I was like, yep, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is it's a, it's That's a, where it should have ended. It should have <laughs> died. It should have died with that. Because there have been that. some decent ones. It's just like... It's one of those things that when you see a cage match, if you're expecting something, it has to be big or what's the point of the cage? Like Absolutely. someone has to go to the hospital half dead or it's just, just no point for the match. Yeah, I, I, I really, I, lo- I used to be a huge fan of the Hell in a Cell match for the main reason, aside from the aesthetic look, this match only came up when, it was, when there was no other option. These two, these two people are hell-bent on killing each other. Fuck it. Throw them in the cell. Let them hash this shit out. And there's been quite a few matches over the years where that's lived up. You know, there's been a few, like you said, it should have ended after Mankind and Taker. Had it ended there, it would have been dealt. Uh, but there were there have been some other Hell in a Cell matches after them. I'll give a few examples. I, I'm always a fan. Of, we're gonna, you're gonna hear the words Taker and Triple H a lot, but yeah, the Taker, uh, Lesnar have had good Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, they, not the most recent one for God's sakes, the original one from like way like the early 2000s. The good Brock Lesnar back then. Those matches were good. Uh, Cena and Orton, believe it or not, have actually had some really good ones. There have been some okay ones over the years, but for the majority, they Orton. It's funny you say Orton because. Watching Raw this week, seeing Randy Orton, and getting hype for that theme song still, and getting hype for him in general, I sat there at one point and was like, my God, this guy, how long has he been doing this? Because it feels like a really long time now, yeah. and I feel like I still get just excited to see him now than I did like back when, I, when he first when he he first began came his out. training in 2000, debuted on WWE Television 2002. Damn. 18 years in the WWE. Still on top. He's competing for the world title on, um, on pay-per-view this Sunday. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But the reason why I keep bringing up the Hell in a Cell shit is because this pay-per-view has been 
over the history, this is like the third or fourth annual Hell in a Cell. Maybe even more. I don't even know. I, I love the match. I hate the pay-per-view because it forces people to shoehorn Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, people are wondering, we just got a fifth match added, I think it was today or mm-hmm. uh, either today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, there's two, there's two matches there's Jeff Hardy versus Elias in a singles match, which is a feud that's just whatever. Uh, it's Elias. Yep. Not 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 a really a lot of people are really paying attention. The Otis Miz deal. People are kind of oh this God. one. This one's kind of getting hot. I'm Miz, so excited. Yeah, Miz is <laughs> Miz is doing his thing on the on the promos thing again. He, they stopped singing and started doing promos again, and that's where Miz usually tends to shine. Otis needs this. He he needs a high-profile singles match. He's been the Money in the Bank holder since May, and people don't even know he has Money in the Bank. So this is going to be a good opportunity for him. The other three matches is where we lose our shit. So there's three cell matches on this pay-per-view. Not the first time they've done this, but in the past, hasn't worked out very well for them. Uh, it worked out, what was it? Uh, I want to see 2018... The one where they had the the New Day and the Usos. I know you haven't had a chance to see this, but the New Day and the Usos had a banger of a Hell in a Cell. Uh, if not last year, the year before that, they 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 had one of the most amazing Hell in a Cell matches I've ever seen. But people don't remember it because on that card were two other Hell in a Cell matches that also was just kind of like they just kind of happened. So we're in that situation again here for this pay per view. Uh, Sasha Banks, the ruiner of Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, every time she's in one of these things, she manages to focus her chi and find a way to make these matches shittier every time she's in them. Uh, she, she's, she's been, this is her third Hell in a Cell match. And I think if, she's, if she really focuses hard, and I hope she's been training, I think she'll be able to find a way to make this shittier than the other two. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> if she's trained hard if enough. If she's really working at it, if she's really zoned in, uh, she's going to have to really work hard because the first the first two times she was in there with really good opponents, and they worked really hard to try to make the match good. So Sasha really had to zone in to make this match as shitty as she did. So this Sunday, she's going in there against one of the greatest SmackDown women's champions of all time. She's going to have to really be on her A game to really fuck this match up the way she usually does. She's going to have to try extremely hard to be as horrible as humanly possible. Which I think I have confidence I think she'll get it done. You know, she's the queen of fucking up Hell in the Cell matches. So well, I don't see how putting in an 85 85-pound woman in a Hell in the Cell match is good for anyone. I say it every year, and for some reason, I think they're fucking with me, because there are other women <laughs> on this roster. I think she might be one of the lighter ones that they have. You can get some bigger women in these matches. She's frail. She's thin. Everything she does makes no sound. It's not even aesthetically pleasing. I don't understand why they keep doing this. But, you know, this is the match that we were leading towards, so huzzah for that. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. This is the one you said you're waiting for. Oh my God, this I'm like I'm ready for this. This Drew McIntyre guy. I don't remember much about this guy. I don't know if I've seen him or not, but this dude just looks like a champion, Absolutely. man. Every time I see him talk on the microphone, I'm just like leaned into the screen, man. This is good. This looks really good. I'm excited for it. I really am. Uh, you haven't had a chance to see much of Drew McIntyre. I feel so. 
I've said it before on the show. I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, when we were doing the SummerSlam roundtable, I, I when we were because uh, I believe he fought Randy Orton at SummerSlam. That's where this whole thing started, and now we're getting to the end here with Hell in a Cell. When they were building up McIntyre and Orton, I was telling the people on my roundtable. I said, despite my best efforts, the one person who got fucked the most during Corona was Drew McIntyre. I was trying to make my wife number one, but it's Drew McIntyre. No one's gotten fucked more <laughs> in Corona than Drew McIntyre because he's the champion during the COVID area, uh, area era. Will that affect his legacy? Because he's he's they were dude. They've been building him for almost two years, and when it's finally time for his WrestleMania moment, bro, it's everything shut down. Well, so if was, anything, that might do him some favor because. It seems like it hasn't slowed him down as of right this no, second. I and if still... anything, it gave him some rest. Yeah, so I hate the heat. Let's see if that makes him healthy. That's a problem that a lot of these new guys that they want to push, well, not new guys, but a lot of these guys that want to push, they bust their ass to get there, they get there, they break, and then they try again, and they break, and then next thing you know, they're on NXT. Yeah, and they're breaking on NXT, too. The NXT champion is nowhere to be found. Yeah, exactly. So this might actually do him a solid, to well, be honest with you. Well, this match won't go do him any favors. They, they've been going hard on the idea that Randy Orton is this sadistic person when he enters the cell. Now I know what I'm capable of. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right, right, brother, this is what he turns it up. This is what I'm expecting. And then we have the hat and hat. The match that I'm sure will be the main event, regardless of how any of this shit goes. Uh, Hell in a Cell, I quit match. First time in WWE history, a stipulation inside of the stipulation uh, for the Universal Championship. If Jey Uso loses, him and Jimmy Uso will have to take orders and acknowledge Reigns as the Tribal Chief. I mean, storyline-wise, that makes sense. <laughs> they, they will have to acknowledge him. Finally, they've been listen. Reigns has been talking for forever about getting his cousins by his side. This is an interesting storyline way to do that because I'm sure he'll lose, and I'm sure then they'll have to take orders from the cousin. But I can see like over time they start to kind of lean into it. Now they're these heels that work hand in hand with the tribal chief to kind of get into it a little bit. I can see where this is headed. But Mike, I just don't like I quit in the cell. I don't know. It's kind of kind of yeah i quit in a hell in a cell it's kind of counterproductive but that takes away from the cell i think because you're worried well, about the I quit. no it takes away from the i quit stipulation the whole point of this is going to be the same shit as the last time where they're going to have roman reigns acknowledge me all you got to do is say it jay acknowledge me i don't know i think it's just kind of weird how they're going to have them have jay fight for the like in a cha- in a championship match for the belt to go to being the champion's crony, I just think it's a weird look to have someone be at a place where you're you have a shot at the title and then you're like, yeah, well, it's it, crony that's... now. It's just weird. It's weird storytelling. It's weird storytelling and it's it's illogical because the whole you spent a lot of time trying to convince me, the viewer, that he was on Roman's level. That's why you gave him the shot. And right. Then, and then he comes immediately turn it it's the other way. Weird. Right. Yeah. They've done this before, though. Like, it's illogical, <laughs> but it, the best example, the one that really got people pissed, and I wouldn't say crony, but the, uh, what I mean by 
they've done this before. I mean, they'll take a guy, they'll push him to the moon, they'll, they'll tell you his backstory and who he's fucking and uh, his military stats and all this bullshit and make you feel like, oh, this guy's a really big star. And they'll put him in a main event for the world title. And you're like, all right, this is it. He's a main event guy. And then the very next like month, he's doing a job on the pre-show. And it's like, what the fuck? He was just a main event guy yesterday. And then he's jobbing on the pre-show. And then the next month, he wins the Intercontinental title. Only to lose it the next night on Raw. And then he can't buy a win for like three months. And all of a sudden, now he's back in the main event for the world title. Like, yeah, spiking. Like, it's just the weirdest. It's all about the brand now at this point. It's all interchangeable parts. This is why nobody's over. This is why there aren't any more superstars. No one stands out because no one is being put in a position to stand out. Yeah, well, they're not allowed to stand out unless they're told to stand out. That's so right. You stand there if I tell you, boy. Uh, we got five matches. Those are the five matches. We didn't go over a whole lot, guys, because, quite frankly, there's not a whole lot to go on about. Not really. The three mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell matches do have long-term programs. I've discussed them on the show ad nauseum. I've gone over Bailey Sasha. I've gone over Drew McIntyre Orton. I've gone over Reigns and Uso. Uh, these are supposed to be blow-offs. That's the whole point of Hell in a Cell. We're supposed to see these champions do something fresh right after this. Actually, the pay-per-view right after this is the one that I think you're excited for. It's the Survivor Series. Remember I told you, these are the three champions uh, who will be competing against the other champions uh, at Survivor Series. Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, should they retain, and I think they will, will be yeah. competing against Finn Balor for the NXT, with the NXT Championship at the next pay-per-view. Uh, Bailey would have to fight. Is Finn still hurt, though? No, by by the end of November he should be fine. It's just said a few weeks and it's already been. Be okay. He should be good to go physically. By he the will get hurt in the match, but oh yeah, no, 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 he'll in. be healed up just in time to tear something else. But he he'll be back. <laughs> uh, Bailey, who is the SmackDown champion, should Oscar? Well, Oscar's not on this card, so it would be about Bailey, Oscar, and the women's champion. Ooh, Io Shirai. Ooh, Bailey, Oscar, and Io Shirai. I'm actually excited about that. I just want to see Oscar and Io Shirai beat the fuck out of each other. While Bailey hmm. sells on the outside. <laughs> In this past week alone, I've seen a lot of impressive women's champion and some freaking Amazons, dude. I, oh, Jesus Christ, where are they finding these women? Are you referring There's to a, Rachel? Just across, the, just across the board of just uh, wrestling, man. NXT, AEW, all of it. These Did women you get a chance to see Rhea them. Ripley? Say again? Rhea Ripley. Have you had a chance to see Rhea Ripley? Not ringing a bell. Oh, that's okay. Good. Save it. I'm saving it. She's she's the future, my man. Rhea Ripley. Okay. She's a cut above the rest, my friend. They just did a, as a matter of fact, they just did a, uh, what was it? Uh, some sort of meeting with Triple H. They were like, yeah, who, who who's a, who's a, who in NXT right now is that standout star? Like, who do you think is going to, that next NXT star is going to be on WrestleMania main event? He didn't even think. He just went, Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Rhea Ripley, she's going to be headlining a WrestleMania, no doubt about it. Okay. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I, like, I mean, we've got great stars. No, 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 don't backpedal now, Hunter. It's just Rhea Ripley. That's it. Everybody else is garbage. You know, <laughs> I'm just wasting my time down here. Everybody's going to lose to Rhea Ripley now. She's beating everybody. All right, so that's Hell in a the Cell. There, I just wanted to bring you guys up to speed on that. I've got to move on to the next topic because I am excited. I have got to hear. I've got to hear Brother Dave's thoughts on this. So just last week, guys, we brought to your attention 
the world title eliminator tournament in all elite wrestling. I described to you guys that I have no idea what eliminator is supposed to mean in this shit. And as a matter of fact, I killed it pretty good last week. And when I watched the episode, I never heard them say the word once. So I'm glad someone got it in their head. that This is fucking ridiculous. It might even be on their sheets. They're just like, fuck that. And just not saying it. But I've got what four matches took place, bro. The stage is yours. Where do you want to start with this? Which match do you really want to? Let's just start on the bracket, dude. Let's just okay. start top left, man. Okay, so we'll start with the bracket here. Penta L Z O M against his brother Ray Phoenix. Now I have to apologize to the fans. I referred to them as Mexican jumping beans last week, and I was gonna we were gonna see a match that was just spot heavy and ping 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 boom. I was wrong. We got something a little different. What was your impression of this match? We got a great match, dude. That was. That was so good to watch, man. They they were really, really, really good to watch. Yeah, I was excited. I, I never, I don't think I've really seen any of these two. And if I did, it was like a match or two randomly that you may have shown me a while ago. But yeah, I, I was you, expecting. I showed like, you them versus the Young Bucks at All Out like two years ago in in the ladder match. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure you've showed me some mm-hmm. stuff, but. Man, that that was really good. I enjoyed it. It wasn't as like super crazy like you said it was gonna be. It was like an yes. actual match. They slowed it down sometimes. They mm-hmm. sped it up. I mean, they were forced to slow it down about three quarters way into the match. Yep. <laughs> yes. Somebody they decided they want to muscle buster themselves <laughs> off the top rope. I said, listen. <laughs> I saw it coming. A buddy of mine hit me up. He sent me a text while it was while it was live. He hit me a text. He goes, why did it take Ray Phoenix to actually break something for them to tell a story? And I was like, I don't know. Someone got in their head and is like, yeah. And it happened this. so fast, too, because I was watching. I was literally, I wasn't doing any. Like, usually when I'm watching stuff like this, I, I'm, like, doing something, but I'm, like, keep peeking over and stuff like that. I was actually just sitting here with a cup of water watching it with my buddy as I was streaming it. And I, it happened so fast that all I heard was my buddy go, well, he's dead. And I'm just like, what? And I rewound it. And I'm like, holy crap. Death. And the fact that he needed a little bit of time to get it back together. But the rest of the match was so impressive. He was still, you could tell, like, as he was getting, like, setting up for his big spot, uh, that he was wobbly, but he still executed everything without any failure. It was really impressive to watch. Now, I, I have to. I have to show fairness here. I have to show equality because the only reason I truly believe in my heart that match continued after after he hit his head like that was because he was in there with his brother. And they've done this a thousand times. And there's no safer opponent for Ray Phoenix than Penta. There's just there just isn't anywhere in the world. Any other situation, I, I think they would have called that. I honestly just don't understand like how you could – Literally, he killed himself right. so hard right there with that with that slam that he did, mm-hmm. and he was still taking big. Bu- I don't I don't know how you do the bumps he was taking afterwards safely because I, I just I just don't understand that. Like I know there's a way because yeah. you're wrestlers and they're professional and you do this. It's for, you know for a living, but Jesus Christ, the power bombs is still going up top. The flips, the everything he was doing and nailing perfectly. I don't know how he just didn't die after, like, <laughs> the power bomb. And then off the top rope, it was just insane to watch. 
it's an autopilot thing. When you do those moves all the time. He had to be numb. His, yeah. It, it's like when they say when boxing, when you're punching and you break your hand, you have to give it a round for it to numb up, and then you can throw it hard again, even though it's broken. Because there's a muscle memory thing there. There's repetition. Your brain... Your brain is used to being up, for him in particular, your brain's used to being upside down. Your brain's used to getting hit like that. It's just accustomed to it. The in, All the injury really does is fuck with your timing. It doesn't stop you from doing the rest of it. And also raises the chances of you furthering the injury. But I, I have to be equal here because that should have been called. And considering that this happened after the Matt Hardy situation, which I don't know if you're familiar with, this happened recently, where Matt Hardy... And Sammy Guevara took a bump off the top of this fucking thing. What do they call it? A scissor lift. And Matt Hardy landed literally square the back of his head onto the concrete floor. And they made this bullshit ruling that he passed some sort of protocol, which was never administered. And if it was, it was for a split second. And he basically, Matt Hardy basically waved off the referee. They rang the bell. The match was over. And he waved him off, and he waved off medical personnel, and he went right for Sammy. He's clearly con- unconscious. He's clearly loopy, but he's Matt Hardy, and he's making a call here, and they went with it. And he almost further injured himself. Some people said he could have killed himself. So that was incident number one. Now, they've had other instances of injuries, but that was just incident number one. That's as far as the chain of events recently. Then Ray Phoenix here does his shit. Knocks himself goofy, waves off the referee again, and we continue on, like you said, with the big bumps. Okay? I There's a bad habit of wrestlers being able to make these decisions on the fly. National television, you got guys killing themselves. You can't have these wrestlers waving medical personnel and waving referees off. If they're out, they're out. It happened again later in the show. I don't know if you caught it. Alex Reynolds in mm-hmm. that... Uh, that uh, Dark Order match, he's completely unconscious in the ring and nobody spotted it, including the referee, which should have been an automatic termination because referee, the referee's only job in the ring is to look out for shit like that and then eventually make a three count. That's it. No one caught it. They're walking over him. They're, they're, he's just fucking dead in the ring, just laying there, and no one said or saw a fucking thing. We, this is probably a conversation for another day because I want you to go ahead and, and give your feedback on the tournament. But this whole I'm a wrestler and I got it bullshit, this shit needs to stop big time because one of these motherfuckers is going to kill themselves for real. Well, well, it won't be the first time. So I, Okay, so after Penta and Ray, which you said was oh my a, God. a banger of a match, let us discuss Kenny Omega <sighs> and, and, so here's what, and the substitute. Please. Before you say it, I remember our conversation about this match specifically. Uh-huh. You went on a long rant. It's one of the reasons why we kind of went over was this match. And you literally gave the world so many different options. <laughs> but then they did this and it further proved your point about where we're going with this tournament. Like, if this didn't completely solidify everything you were saying about what they're trying to do with this tournament, this right here is the epitome of what you were trying to say. I I was just sitting there just so curious about what was happening and then exactly how it happened is exactly how it should have happened or just would not have made sense. There you go. 
And I've been arguing with people since it happened. You don't treat Sonny like that. Why not? He's a jabron. That's his job. He's a jabron. Is who said you don't treat? Who, well, okay, okay. Time out. <laughs> does this? Okay, I don't know anything about this Sonny person. So I does do. Sonny have a track him. record of being a good wrestler? Like, is this yes, person so, actually a good wrestler? Okay, so let me catch you up on Sonny Kiss. Okay, I've worked with Sonny Kiss a thousand times. I've booked him on my shows for 2KW, and he's a great talent. She, he, whichever one you want to go with, okay? I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it is what it is, right? So it's, it's he, I've worked with him a thousand times. He really is good, but he's a natural kind of good, right? Very inexperienced. He's only been doing this for a few years. The fact that he got signed... And I got killed for this when it happened, but I, I'm a truth teller. He got signed because of the whole transgender thing. There's no other reason for it. He's inexperienced. He hadn't wrestled anybody. Like you know, Normally when young guys get signed, it's usually because they wrestle a name on the indie somewhere, and that name would be like, yo, he's really good. You should sign this guy. I don't right. know who it was that he wrestled that got him in the door for AEW. And if I don't know, then God knows who does. I'm telling you it was for the shock value because the minute they signed him well, – they didn't do anything with him. Okay, so let's start how, with that. They didn't do Well, to piggyback onto that point, how awkward and, like, obviously sarcastic was the ending of that match where he's just, like, mm-hmm. trying to big him up and give him a hug and lift their hand up and, and the other person's just kind of standing. Like, Sonny was just standing there, like, annoyed but still selling. It was so awkward. So there's two sides to this story from what I understand. Now, what I had said last week was Joey Janela's job was to go in there and make Kenny look like a beast. There was no other reason for him to be in that tournament. That's what that whole spot was built for. Just for Kenny to beat the shit out of somebody and look good. Right? So, something something happened with Joey. We found out that he got in, in contact with someone at an indie show, which why the fuck is he at an indie show? I don't know. But he's at an indie show, and he came in contact with somebody who recently popped on a test. He's got COVID. Not Joey, but the person that he had interacted with had had uh, a positive test. He has coronavirus. So Joey took a test, but they didn't get the results back in time for the show. So they didn't take a chance. They sent him home, and they just replaced him with his tag partner, Sonny Kiss, which proves the point. It didn't matter who was in that spot. Nigga was getting hit with a knee and dropped on his head. That was that was the whole point of Kenny's first round match. Okay, clearly based on what happened. Now Sonny does have a reputation here in the Northeast, especially here in the New York and New Jersey area, of being a very high profile indie guy. He's had some pretty good matches over the years, but on TV, which is what matters, not what you do right. in front of the one hundred at some gym somewhere, on TV. He has never once, actually no, just once, one time he has been presented as a up-and-coming, talented, here's one of the young guys we're looking to push down the line, when he had, he had one match with Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship when he was doing the Open Challenge thing. That's usually the match, where you get Cody for the title, primetime TV, that's usually your tryout. Okay, we'll see what we can get out of him, and if he puts on a hell of a performance, maybe we'll push him a little bit, maybe we'll put a little steam on him. He had that match and then disappeared. Now, before that match, he was nowhere to be found on TV. 
They pulled him out of mothballs and put him in there with Cody Rhodes. Had one match, shit the bed, and we never saw him again. And all of a sudden, he was at a team with Joey Janela. The team seems to be doing all right. Mm-hmm. But the point of the matter is, is never once, with the exception of the one match, has he really been portrayed as someone that they really give a fuck about. He's right. a talented guy who's athletic, who can sell, he can do a bunch of cool things. But his job at this point so far has been to put over the stars. He just jobbed in a big way to Miro, a.k.a. Rusev, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. He's, his job thus far has been to get his ass kicked. So Kenny Omega comes out, does the whole cleaner deal. That's a little nod, an homage to the Japanese Kenny Omega, which was another awkward fu- Did you? Uh, you've never seen Kenny Omega in Japan before. Did you understand... No. Anything they were fucking doing on camera leading up to his fucking entrance? Uh, no. no. I was confused. I thought at one point the girls were at the wrong entrance, and then the guy <laughs> came out and he looked at him, pointed at him, like, wait till we get backstage. Yeah. Wait till you get no, backstage. I, I, I was really so confused. Him. That matched with those two girl, broom girls is going to be a lot longer than the one he had with Sonny. I can promise you that. He's going to have a lot more athletic spots, and he's going to be a lot more sweaty uh, with the two room <laughs> ladies than he was with Sonny. Very went in, hit the V-trigger. Now, remember, didn't I just – I'm like a – I'm Nostradamus. Didn't I just fucking explain to you last week how you're supposed to sell the V-trigger? Didn't I, I just so. fucking lay it down for you just last week? He's going to fucking throw it. That's it. That's how he does it. He's just going to fucking throw it. You either know how to sell it and you don't. Or you don't. Did it look to you like Sonny Kiss knew how to sell the V-Trigger last week? Uh, he, I'm really trying to block this match out of my he, head, man. He <laughs> this was both, so quick. Put, I'm just glad it was quick. Yes. He That's put, all, man. He put both hands up, which is always a big no-no. Put both hands up and... And started bumping. As soon as Kenny was in the air, he was already starting to bump. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and that told me he didn't want to take the fucking knee. So, no, I, so as soon it. as the knee came, he paid that much for that. Soon, he, he really isn't. But as, as soon as that knee came out, and I saw him take that bump, I looked right over at Mrs. O, and I was like, "Oh boy, uh, that knee didn't go well. Let's see how the angel's wings go." Because I'm thinking in my head, "Oh, if you're not going to sell my knee." You're not going to kill my fucking finish. And sure enough, he picked Sonny up, and he drilled that motherfucker right in the center of that fucking ring. He gave that motherfucker 110% of the one-winged angel. That that version of the move, I don't know if you've ever seen that move before, but that was one of the best. I that's it. one of the best versions of that move because he did it for real. That wasn't him powder puffing. The one he, like, for instance, when he's in there with an older guy or a bigger guy, when he has him up on the shoulders to protect for the one wing, what he'll do is when he cuffs in, right, with the head, he'll cuff first to make sure the body is completely over. Then he starts to fall to his butt, and he pushes to where he lands almost like a flat bump on his back. Mm-hmm. That's when he's trying to be careful. When he's like Sonny and could give a shit whether you live or die or breathe or have the ability to chew food when this is over, he... <laughs> Cuffed Sonny, and in one fluid motion, he had already began dropping. He wasn't cuffed yet, my man. 
And he fucking spun his ass. If he would have been a frog's hair off on that timing, he would have dropped Sonny on the top of his fucking head. That was the Japanese style. He used to just drill people without them even knowing the move was coming. Can you imagine some dude whispering that you in the ring? All right, one-winged angel, fuck you. I'd be like, my dumb ass. I'd be like, ooh, that sounds cool. That's, that's, that sounds like it's going to be spectacular. Sounds fantastic. Let's do it. Jesus fucking Christ. He drilled that motherfucker. And I was like, there it is. And then that goofy face at the end when he just stares at the camera. Oh, boy. He just points down. Like, you see this? This is this is what happens to this. This was, I should not have been in the ring with this level of talent. I am much better than this. <laughs> I'm an EVP, goddammit. Uh, yep. So our next match, Colt Cabana and Hangman Page. What are your thoughts on these two guys? I know you know a little bit about Colt. But <laughs> was this it, match was doo Like, it wasn't. It was just there. It, it just happened. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it was just boring. And Colt Cabana, I don't know, man. I am not impressed. What about Page? <sighs> he wasn't spectacular. Like, I'm not saying he's not great. I'm sure he's great. But because of the, the two people in the ring, it wasn't like he was looking amazing. He looked just fine, but Colt didn't do him any favors at all in this match. I think the biggest problem I had with this match, I think we need to get over the fact that Colt Cabana, while Colt Cabana is a name, Colt Cabana is, has been a name for over 20 years. If Colt Cabana's job is not to put over everyone else at this point, I don't see a reason of having him on the roster. And that's no disrespect to him. I love the guy. I have a sweet spot in my heart for him. Him and Punk in my childhood here, uh, they they raised me on the new style of wrestling. But Colt Cabana's job at this point, especially in this particular match, should have been to sell every fucking move Adam Page has. Just get eaten the fuck up. That was the point of all these matches, to build toward higher profile matches. Colt Cabana and Adam Page went in there and had a competitive match and no one got over because of it colt colt didn't particularly look good for his age and 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 uh adam page didn't particularly look spectacular for someone who's being as hyped as he is everyone lost in this yeah i was not impressed with this i'm sure hangman is phenomenal he's really good i bet and i'll see it coming up really soon because this next match was Probably the match of the night, to be honest with you. For me. It was really good. Did I did I not tell you this could be the sleeper, depending on how they did this? This was <laughs> really good, and it was funny because the way you said that you think, you didn't guarantee, you didn't have, like, you just made a theory that the way it may go because of big guy versus little guy. But to be fair, Jungle Boy's not that small height-wise. Yeah, he didn't yeah. really tower Jungle Boy. He's just a little bit smaller so i think that helped the match look much better yeah. because even when he was bringing it to him it didn't seem unbelievable like it wasn't a ray mysterio versus kane which you would think it would look like it was not like that at all and it was really cool to see jungle boy having that height but not being that big while the big guy being bigger and still being athletic like yeah. he wasn't stiff like this was a really good match between i actually really enjoyed this one uh, were you, you well? You kind of answered it just now. You didn't think that Jungle Boy was uh, that out of the picture here. I was telling you before because I was kind of giving you descriptions last week. Right. So you're seeing these. I gave you descriptions, but now you're seeing these people for the first time. So Jungle Boy, um, 
has a lot of a lot of people look at him like they're thinking like uh, let me phrase it like this Adam Page definitely in the immediate future right because of his age and because of his the way he, that he looks and his performance Jungle Boy is extremely young so they're mm-hmm. like man three four five years from now when he grows into his grown man body he's got a world of potential could you see this guy really making noise three four five he years needs from to now spice up that gimmick that gimmick is so bland like even his attire is so generic that alone might hold him back but as far as talent goes and ability again i've only seen one match so i'm not going to jump out the window off of one match but considering who his opponent was size difference it I at no point did I feel like I, honestly at one point I thought Jungle Boy kind of had the upper hand a little bit. He was good. I thought it ended up kind of looking a little bit the other way around than you saying it. It seemed like uh, Wardlow was kind of on his heels quite a bit in this match, and he kind of had More to like probably should have, but it made sense like the way they were doing it. Yeah, it was almost as if like he underestimated Jungle Boy's ability, and he just worked the match perfectly to where he could have the advantage by being, you know, running around, being quick. But Wardlow is also quick, which is why I was really impressed with him. So the Hangman page, you know, as I'm telling you, it kind of felt like Colt was holding them back. I think this will show a different this – will, this will be a better judgment of how good Hangman page is for me. Yeah, definitely. So, so how impressed with you with Wardlow then? Big guy, not – not a, he didn't oh, look, dude, he like a monster, I like him a lot. I know I'm saying that a lot. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying I like things a lot. But, again, this is my first time seeing a lot of this stuff. So I really do like Wardlow. He, it was good. It was good. I, I actually wouldn't be – I know it's going to go hangman, but I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be blown away or actually be not opposed of maybe Wardlow taking that. So – Oh, see, that's why, you know what's funny? I felt the same way when uh, when I watched it. Like, when yeah. I, like, one, because that was the opening match of the show. And I remember when we spoke, uh, you had asked me, you said, do you really, since it's such a foregone conclusion that Omega and Paige are going to be in the finals, could there be an upset? And I did mention that I you thought maybe Jungle Boy. Boy. Right. But when that match was over and Wardlow had advanced, I was like, you know, nothing, nothing. <laughs> But if Wardlow was to go over on page, I would not be upset about that at all. I was like, fuck me. Now, he'd probably end up losing the Omega anyway, but not for nothing, based on that one performance, if he was to put a banger on with Paige, the way that he just did with Jungle Boy, would it be crazy if Wardlow would beat Omega in the finals? Like, would it really be that upsetting? Because, yeah, because Kenny's a made man. Kenny could... Kenny could lose a match here and there and still come out of this still a top guy. He's the EVP. He, he's going to be fine. But you might have a star on your hands if he shows out in this tournament like this. Dude, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I think I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But Wardlow, but this isn't Omega, the first time he's be been really impressive, though. I'll give it to you. You're, you're react, you are reacting because it's the first time you're seeing him. But I've seen him a few times, and he's impressed me every time. Right. That's why I was telling you that this might be the show stealer because him working with a smaller guy where he's more in control of the physical part of the match. Because the mistake they've made with Wardlow recently is, I don't know if you saw, when Jungle Boy came out, there was a big tall dude with a dinosaur mask. Did you see that? 
With a dinosaur mask? Yeah, it was a big, tall, tattooed fuck right next to him with a fucking dinosaur mask. During his entrance. And, and yeah, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on that. All right, well, there's another guy. He's, Jungle Boy's part of a group, the Lucha Express, right? And, right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a big, tall fuck with him. And a dinosaur mm-hmm. mask. Who's big and tall and agile and clumsy. Oh, no, I remember. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I remember because I was laughing because when they came out, they looked like one was like super tall, one was medium, and the other guy was real tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real (laughs) tiny. Yeah. They call him Mr. Fun Size, Marco Stone. Right. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So they're a group, Lucha Express, right? Right. And the last time, because Wardlow very rarely ever wrestles, which is perfect for him, especially every time he does it. He's MJF's bodyguard. So he rarely ever wrestles, but they did a tag match with MJF and Wardlow against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And all these guys are young, and all these guys are green. So there's no real ring general in the ring. So whatever it was that was mapped out beforehand, they just stuck to the plan. They just stuck to the blueprint. There was no audibles. There was no figuring out shit. They just... Right, right, they right. did whatever the structure was. From a good match from point right. A to so point B. So for whatever reason, they, they had a lot of spots between Wardlow and Luchasaurus. And mm-hmm. garbage. It was garbage. They, they don't know how to communicate with one another. They're not seasoned vets. They just, they just slobbered all over each other. It was ridiculous. So I'm glad hey. this particular match, I don't know if this was them taking the handcuffs off and just saying, hey, guys, do what you do. Or if they had a, 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 a smart mind get in there and just like, this is how we're going to lay this out. Whatever they did here, keep doing this shit every fucking time Wardlow was in the ring because this was magic. Right. This was great. He looks great, man. He keeps up the momentum. Yep. He keeps He's it up. Got that look. He keeps it up. He's going to look great. He's going to look, look really fucking, good. He's going to look fucking great. I can't. I was actually between the. Because uh, I shit on this tournament before we talked about it. And. Uh, the Kenny Sunny matches, whatever, the pe- the Hangman, Cabana matches, whatever. But these two matches, the Penta, Ray, and the Wardlow, Jungle Boy match, really happy. I was like, these are it's really funny Because the two people you called to win it, to be in the finals, are were the two weakest matches. And the two better, like, way, way better, actually fun to watch matches are the ones that you're calling the, there's no... You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's no real shot. They're, yeah. just there. they're there to lose, but they're there to make the second round look better. Now, I sent you a clip before we move on from this. I sent you the clip. Ray's yeah. injury was for real. Like, for real? I mean, the dude yeah. was foaming out of his <laughs> mouth. So, yeah, I would imagine so it's they did a So, they did a backstage thing where Eddie Kingston had convinced Ray Phoenix to give his spot because of the injury. Gave his spot to Penta. You saw this. Mm-hmm. You saw this, correct? Yes, yeah, I saw it. Okay, you yep. saw it. All right, so I... I I have to I have to throw this out there. We already talked about I said it earlier about the injuries and waving people off. This is the problem with having people in charge that are not getting the responses from their wrestlers that they should be. A big reason why Aubrey, who's the Aubrey Edwards, who was the referee for that match, a big reason that she should have waved this fucking match off. Okay? And not let Ray continue. I know it was a banger of a match. I get it. But these two motherfuckers have that match all the time. Uh, Aubrey calling this match actually works out better when you think about it. Because the official call, if if Ray gets hurt, right, he takes the big bump, he's injured, he's out of it, you said it yourself, foaming at the mouth. Aubrey calls this match. That's a penta win by knockout, technically speaking. Right. right? 
So Penta would move forward. The family, so to speak, because they're all part of the same group. The family still advances. It doesn't really matter. It was a gimme match, right? So Penta would have moved on, not Ray. So you wouldn't have needed the promo in the backstage by Eddie Kingston, which I think is sucks because did you get a chance to see John Moxley's promo about Kingston and Kingston's promo about Moxley? Oh, my God. I, okay. I feel like a broken record today. I am so high. For, just <laughs> off of promos. Right. Because I haven't seen those two. Just off of those promos, I'm ready. I, I'm right. ready for that match. That's, it's going to be great. I think if... Well, I hope it's great because I haven't seen them wrestle. But just right. off the promos, I'm high. The match... <clears throat> John Moxley... Okay, so you are you're the only work of John Moxley you're familiar with was Dean Ambrose, and you weren't really enamored with Dean Ambrose, correct? I mean, can you go on record now that you're a co-host of the show? What was your stance on Dean Ambrose in the WWE? Wait a minute. I, hold on. I know I'm going to sound like an idiot here. That was Dean Ambrose? Yep. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm so glad he left. I, you know how I feel about I, I, like I'm getting. He was one of the reasons why I just kind of I like I kept trying to watch it and right. I just I couldn't. I'm and getting... he used to tell me all the time, like, dude, he's he's nasty on the mic. He's a great talker. He's a great wrestler. You don't understand. It's them holding him back. And I'm like, guy, whatever it is, what it is, you're there. You got to do what you got to do to make it good. And he just can't make it good. He's not good. And then and then he left because of those type of reasons. And then now that I saw this, and I'm putting two to two together here, it, the talking was just, I'm, I was hooked. I'm like, nose is on the screen. <laughs> yeah. to every word they were saying to each other. It was great. Now, but see, this is where, I'm going somewhere with this. So what were, okay, I know, you just said it right now. You said he couldn't, couldn't even he recognize couldn't, him. He couldn't take the material they were giving him, and, and it wasn't doing it for you in the WWE. Mm-hmm. He, here, what, what, what did you think about Dean, okay, his promos, his storylines, whatever, in ring, what was your thoughts and opinions of Dean Ambrose? Like his matches. It, see, here's the thing about WWE, or just, yeah, just double WWE in general for me. I've never been a huge fan of the high-profile matches because they are better at, I, I hope this makes sense, they're the best at the WWE style. Yes, so sense. depending on who you have, it just it will it will always feel slow because they're masters at pacing the match, if that makes right. sense. Yes. Whereas some of the amateurs sometimes they can gas themselves going hard or whatever the case may be and it gives you that illusion that it's a little bit faster. My biggest thing is the holds when they're unnecessary. Like two minutes into the fight and you put someone in a hole just to get some air just because you're trying to make it an extra like 15, 20 minutes. It just kind of kills it for me a little bit. So that's why I prefer, like, the smaller guys. I don't like the big guys in WWE because of that reason. Right. Um, I think that was the same thing with him. He's not necessarily one of the bigger guys, but he is a master at his craft. He can adapt, and I think he adapted to the style, and his, he was just as slow as some of the heavyweights, which he was a part of. So... His matches, to me, had that same effect where it just kind of didn't wow me in the ring. And then I also just kind of hated his whole gimmick there. I, I didn't like it. So I was just completely turned off by everything he did. So the so the next pay-per-view is full gear. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I will have to 
send that to you because that's not unless you feel like ordering the whole fucking pay-per-view um yeah i might i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of i'm kind of getting a little addicted here <laughs> that's good that's good but i was on a six i was on a six hour call with my buddy we, we ran through like two or three of them and smackdown just so happened to be starting when we were done <laughs> <laughs> well, i was getting somewhere with that so the reason why i asked you about how you felt about him as dean ambrose in the wwe both physically and verbally is because he here in aew because because you didn't get a chance to see john moxley before wwe right you mm-hmm. didn't follow any of his czw stuff or his dragon gate stuff you never got the chance in Pre-WWE, he had a very, physically, he had a very wild style. It was all over the place. A lot of deathmatch stuff. His, his, uh, his, I don't even know how to rate his fucking style, to be honest with you. He was very unorthodox as a performer, physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what made him such a commodity was those promos, okay? His John Moxley promos from back in the day are some of the best promos I've personally ever heard in my life. I might be tipping my hand a little here, but I pattern a lot of my personal promo style to what he did back then, storytelling-wise, because it was just, it was perfection. Those promos talked him into the door. You can tell, like you just said, they really worked on his in-ring. He went, he was so wild in the indies. I think he was cautious in what I will say in the WWE because he pulled back a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like even to you, your eye, you saw a guy who was wrestling kind of a big man style without being that big of a guy. He was slow, methodical. He just kind of, everything had to mean something. It was just very base. Depending on the opponent, there was a few mm-hmm. times he would let loose, like his AJ style matches or his Seth Rollins matches where they would go nuts. But for the most part, he was just kind of a run-of-the-mill guy. In AEW, he took the training he got from WWE and sprinkled that onto his wild shit from before. So now he's a what was it they used to say about Coffee Kingston? Uh, 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 something chaos, uh, uh, like contained chaos. Like it's he's still all over the place, like the original John Moxley, but he's much more. He's a veteran now, well trained now. So it's more a little bit more control. A little bit more control. So you might see a little bit more action out of him than you usually see, but now you top that with the idea that no one's writing his promos anymore. It's mm-hmm. just mocks. So you right. put that promo with a more veteran style, you got a top-tier player. That's what he's been here with AEW. I'm actually looking forward to what you think about his matches when you uh, see him compete against an actual opponent. Because I think this – was this not the show? No, he wasn't on the show. He did the promos. You haven't seen promo. him wrestle in AEW yet, right? No. Good, no, no. good, because his matches so far have been hit or miss. Because he is trying to turn chicken shit into chicken salad every chance he gets. But this match with Kingston coming up at full gear, uh, two veterans going at it should be nice and easy peasy. Right. So you're getting into this AEW stuff. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's it's got me so far. There have been some uh, watching all the things back to back, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, Raw. There is there's a gap. You can see it. For me, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more refining that needs to be done on the lower end. I'm going to refer the AEW NXT as the lower end for now. Um, 
that's just my opinion. And if you think I'm crazy for saying that, then that's fine. You're well within your right. But <laughs> you cannot tell me that you can watch a woman's match on AEW or any match so far that I've seen. And I could be completely incorrect. Maybe this card was one of the weaker ones. I don't know. But and compare that to a Raw or SmackDown where even the lower end guys, it's just, it's just more refined. Like, it, you can see AEW or the guy literally standing there with his arm cocked back for this clothesline, waiting for the guy to finish running. Like, there's so many moments like that where the woman's sitting there with her arm on the, like behind her because she's going to get hip-tossed or something like that. It's like they're lining, they're, they're foreshadowing the moves because they're trying to keep their brain on what's happening, and it's not second nature. It doesn't feel natural, so... I'll keep watching and see if that starts to bother me too, too much, which I don't think it's going to, but you can, yeah, de I we, can definitely feel the gap between yeah. watching an AEW show, NXT, and then watching SmackDown and Raw. AEW a, has a lot of talents that have never been on TV before, and it shows. But yeah, it, but to be honest with you, I don't think that's an excuse. I mean, these guys, a lot, and could be, again, I could be wrong. They could be, some of these guys could be newer than I think, but they're, they just it just doesn't seem like maybe they don't have the chemistry with each other yet. I don't know. Like I said, it's just no, one episode, so I can't because kill them yet. But yeah, they're not. There's a lot of talent on here. I'm not gonna kill the talent because for someone like me who's still taking bookings and still doing the damn thing myself, it would be stupid for me to sit here and say, well, the guys who are on TV are garbage because I'm not stopping what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is they, there's a lot of people who are on AEW that make a lot of a lot of silly mistakes. I mean, even mm -hmm. something simple as running ropes for some people seem to be a challenge. And it's not necessarily their fault for a lot of them. This is the way they were trained. This is the way they were taught. And based on raw talent alone, they got hired, which is dope, which is great. Congrats to them. They got the opportunity. But if mm -hmm. you're here, you're on this stage. And this is the biggest thing that I always tell people. And I don't understand why I ever get pushback on this. If I'm, and I'm not saying anything bad about this person, but let's say, for instance, I'm Jungle Boy, right? And mm -hmm. I'm young and I'm new to the business for the most part. I've only been doing this for a few years, but I'm on TV. Not only am I on TV, I'm in a high-profile position here, right? Competing in a world title tournament. You right. see guys in the backstage, like Arn Anderson, Dane Malenko, like... Just Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, just some of the greats who have been in this business. I I would have to be physically restrained to a chair to stay away from these people. I want to talk to them. I, these are people you wouldn't normally have access to on the indies. And here they are sitting next to you drinking coffee with you every day. I would be talking to these motherfuckers all the time. How, how should I be doing this? Do you see what I do? How can I make this different? How can I make this better? Should I change this? Should I wear something different? Some people don't got time for that, though. But you know, everyone's not going to be back there teaching. No, everybody. wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. They do. I don't know how many times, because I got friends who work there. They're just sitting on their phones chilling. I've seen it. <laughs> and they got time, especially on the indies. Because I, I would do that. Like on the when we do when I would go to shows and work shows or whatever, and they would be, you know, I've worked with a lot of great talent. Adam Cole, Kelly, Kevin Steen, I would sit there and I would fucking talk to these people. What am I doing? What should I not be doing? What should this guy be doing? I would be introducing talents to these people for those who didn't have the balls to walk up to them and say something. 
You know, he'd be like, hey, this is a good kid, man. He's got a lot of good shit. You should talk to this guy. Show him, show him what he needs to know, what he needs to do. These fucking guys have done this before. But they have the opposite attitude. Well, I got signed, so I'm nice. So I don't need shit else. I got here. So obviously I know what I'm doing. And then they get on TV and it's like, bro, like, use these fucking people that are there. It's so crazy. I, I remember hearing the story from uh, FTR, which I think, were they on this show? No, I don't think they were on the show. But Dex Hardwood and uh, the other guy, Cash Wheeler, there it is. They're the current AEW Tag Team Champions. They were in NXT, WWE. They've won the SmackDown titles, the Raw titles, the NXT titles. They won, now they're the AEW champs. They're the best tag team in the world. Depending on who you ask. And they told a story when they were in NXT. They had all these guys that were in NXT working out or whatever. And Triple H, every now and then, throws a guest at a guest instructor or whatever at, at these guys so that they can get some experience and hear from the legends or whatever and they brought in the rock and roll express arguably mm-hmm. the greatest tag team of all time that sold arenas around the world sold them out with no social media just word of mouth rock and roll is going to be there fuck that here's my money you got me i'm yeah. sold and the rock and roll express are in the building and they're doing their training or whatever whatever and they had a break it was like an hour break or whatever and he and the guy said you know the rock and roll express was standing by the ring and no one's saying anything to him not a single thing. And when they spoke to one of the guys who uh, just happened to be by the ring, and they were, that guy, the random, was asking FTR questions. And he goes, you know, not for nothing. You know, we're, I mean, yeah, I get it. We're we're on top here, but that's the Rock and Roll Express. They're going to have a better answer for that question than I'm going to have. Why don't you go ask them? Mm-hmm. And the guy literally said, he's like, you know, I'm here. I'm in NXT. I obviously know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm, I'm working with you. I'm not working with them. I'm trying to get your opinion about something. And he and he got, he exploded. He was just like, are you fucking serious? But these guys, a lot of people today who get signed, they're like, well, I'm signed. So I guess I know what I'm doing. And they don't right. want to talk to other fucking people. And it's ridiculous. I don't understand. Like, these are the best talents to ever exist. Pick their brain. It's not going to hurt you. And they might hurt you because some of these guys, some of the older guys get a little annoyed when you ask a bunch of questions. I experienced that with the Rock and Roll Express myself Mm -hmm. because I was talking their ear off heavily (laughs) almost the whole show until eventually I got the hint. Back up. All right. All right. No problem. Have a good one. (laughs) That was in my younger days, though. When I first started doing this, I was always, I mean, Mick Foley, Ricky Steamboat. I was anybody I used to tell my promoter, I said, the first, the next person you get is going to get annoyed because I, I want to know. You went to one of my first shows when I was working with Shane Douglas. Yeah. I, I, I did it with Shane Douglas. Shane, I want to do this. I want to do that. Da, 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 da. How the fuck else am I going to know how I can be better if I can't ask someone better than me at it on right. what I should be doing? It doesn't make any sense. Mm. Fuck. See, you're getting me hot already. I said I was going to be angry, and, and we're easing into it. Because <laughs> I have to ask you about one. We liked so much about AEW. I want to see if this trend continues. Did you get a chance to see the Le Dinner Debonair? <laughs> yeah, he's laughing uh, about yeah, it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I saw it. I, I saw mean, it. It was there. It happened. The whole time, like, it was so bad good, it was amazingly <laughs> terrible. It was so bad good. Oh, boy. Everyone thinks that when I told everybody that I was going to be angry today, that they, they thought that's what I was going to be angry about. That's 
it was. Oh my god! Did you see the part where they like we asked to do it again, take it from the bo- from the bottom, and then they zoomed to his feet, and they both did a little pitter patter? I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh it was funny. boy! It was definitely okay. Scary to me. <laughs> Everyone thought I was gonna be mad about this. Believe it or not, I'm really not because. <laughs> You can't help. I had a lot of people who, who told me that they were flipping through the channels and they saw it and they thought it was hilarious. And it was so hilarious that they stuck to it to see what was going to happen after. And they saw a wrestling ring and got really confused. They were like, wait, this was a wrestling show? What the fuck? It didn't fit into anything. It didn't progress anything. I, I don't know if Chris Jericho or MJF come out of this any better or stronger or what. It's Chris Jericho having creative freedom. I think that's what that I is. I think it's Chris Jericho having too much creative freedom. Yeah, There's well, a lot of people in the industry in the industry who were very upset of it about it, and then there were those who were not because you know, again, it was, it's the new age. You know, it's the, this is what wrestling is now, and blah blah. And then they'll start bringing up all the old school shit that we saw. They were like, "Come on, you want to tell me that this 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 wasn't cartoonish and blah blah blah?" Here's the thing: I don't put blame on nobody for this segment. I I'm neither here nor there. I didn't enjoy the segment. I didn't think it was that funny. I didn't think it was that crazy. I laughed. About a whole other issue. I <laughs> laughed about the fact that this is Chris Jericho, right? Just a few weeks ago, like but right before Orange Cassidy, I was being bombarded on this show, okay? Several times by people in, the, in my little live shows that Chris Jericho just very well might be the greatest of all time. Everybody was calling him a goat. In the chat, I was I was like, I don't know about GOAT, because there's a lot of great wrestlers. I mean, he's, he's in the conversation. He's in there, longevity, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, oh, no, AJ. He's, he's the greatest of all time. He's number one ever. No one's had a better career than Chris Jericho. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, can't, sell, I can't sell on that. I mean, I can't buy on that. I'm sorry. And I just, I kept pushing back. I'm going to concede today. It's over. He's the greatest fucking professional of all time and i'm gonna give it to him because i finally <laughs> this, this did it for you this did it for me it solidified it it solidified it and this this is this is the end of the argument for me he's the greatest of all time and i'm gonna tell you why this okay. is the same chris jericho who on numerous occasions has had no problem going against the grain Every single time you think he's going to zig, that motherfucker zags. Every time. All the way back to his early career in Canada with him and the Thrill Seekers and him and Lance Storm. That they thought he was going to be one type of character. He goes the other way. Goes to Smoky Mountain, does the same thing. They're going to be pussy magnets, right? Young underdog, blonde-headed, bodybuilding baby faces. And then he went out. He goes out there and he starts high-flying and shit, fucking the whole game up. Sends him over to Japan. He's going to be this blue-eyed, uh, uh, blonde-haired, baby face, did this, 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 this. And, and he does something else. ECW does something else. WCW. He goes into WCW, they pigeonhole him as a cruiserweight, and he gets bored with cruiserweights, and he's like, I want to go to the heavyweight division, and they're like, nah, you're just going to be a cruiserweight, we're full in the heavyweight division, so he said, fuck this, and he starts doing Goldberg promos for no reason, 
for no reason. They weren't even approved. He just goes out there with a live mic in an arena and just starts cutting Goldberg promos. 1-0 Goldberg, 2-0 Goldberg, 5-0 Goldberg didn't even know he was doing them, and he's in the building when Jericho's doing it. Like, forget <laughs> approval. Goldberg's not, Goldberg's not in on this joke. It's just Chris doing all that goofy shit with his hair. Remember when he had his hair up like a cockatoo? And he just, <laughs> he had Ralphus, that fat fuck with the t-shirt walking around. And it just whatever he wants to do, whatever, whenever you think he's going to zig, he zags, okay? Every fucking time. He gets signed by the WWE. He gets the idea from a countdown, for the countdown because he was standing in the post office and saw a clock counting down the millennium, right? Great idea. Greatest entrance of all time. First thing he does, a fucking promo a uh, program with china over the intercontinental title you think this guy he starts off with the rock and then about a week later he's wrestling china right always 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 finds himself he this is the guy who did the job to fandango at wrestlemania i was there for that i'm still stunned to this day that was a thing okay every single time you think you've got this kid figured out he does something else no one reads the room like fucking Chris Jericho. This fucking guy went into AEW, heralded, right? World champion, super, mega superstar in the business. One of the one of the founding fathers of everything, right? He's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. Comes into AEW, causes a major shift in power. He his presence in AEW made AEW feel like a real thing. And then <laughs> He read the room, and he realized very quickly all of this serious bullshit, all of this mega bad guy wrestling shit that I do, it ain't going to work here. Because the wrestling fans at AEW are children. They are kids. They love to watch videos of monkeys throwing their own poop and cats playing pianos, and they can sit through... They can sit through compilations, like one-hour compilations of people stepping on rakes and then it hitting them in the face. Like, this <laughs> is this is the audience for AEW. So what did Jericho do? Switched it. He's fighting a guy who's got his hands in his pockets. He's getting dumped into mimosas. He's getting flak jackets for his whole crew. They're, now we're dancing and we're singing with... By the way... The two people who are singing and dancing in this segment are supposed to be the two top heels in the in the company. Those are the two top bad guys in the company. The ones who were doing the singing and the dancing this past Wednesday. I only would imagine heels could pull something like this off. He absolutely, 100%, has sold me on the idea that no one, no one figures out how to survive bullshit like Chris fucking Jericho. And I hate to bring up the name because it always gets me in trouble, but I'll give him the credit for saying this because it was absolutely true. Cornette said it, and he said it the best, okay? Chris Jericho on any program he's ever been on. For those of you who don't know, Cornette's the one that brought him in to the States, okay? You have Cornette to thank for that. Every show, Smoky Mountain, ECW, New Japan, WWE, WCW, no company, not one, not even the WWE, would have approved that bullshit that he put on TV this past Wednesday. None of them. He probably has pitched shit like that before. The closest we got was the Friendship of Festival thing with him and Kevin Owens. That was outrageous, but at least that was that was refined. It was filtered down. It was for a purpose. It made sense. This, 
This didn't fit into anything at all. It just was a thing that they did on TV. He said nobody else would have approved this on their television, which now makes him feel, and I agree 100%, there is absolutely no respect in that company for Tony Khan. None. He is the booker of that company, and if he approved this shit, that's fine. This is on him. That's fine. But the fact that these people are pitching this shit to him, and you know no one's telling Chris Jericho no. Who in that company is going to tell Chris Jericho no? That's a dumb idea, Chris. We shouldn't do that. Can you imagine how swollen Khan's face would be when he told Jericho no and Jericho proceeds to unzip his pants and pull out that whopper of a penis and just whaps it across Tony's face? And and it tastes like WrestleMania, too. Tony Khan is going to taste the WrestleMania on that dick, that WrestleMania main event on his dick. And go, I'm, I apologize, Mr. Jericho. I will never say no to you ever again. Cornette said it best. Tony Khan, who is the booker and somewhat of the promoter of AEW, he has everyone's friendship. He has none of their respect. All these wrestlers go out there and do a bunch of goofy shit, and he's all for it. He loves it. But this, this was outrageous. And look, you just said it yourself. How much time and effort was put into planning this? They wrote it. They rehearsed it. They practiced oh, they it. Definitely rehearsed Thelma, it. Thelma, the comedy routine, the part with the feet, and the take it from the top. All of that prep. They spent time on that goofy shit. This was not an accidental thing. This is not an idea they stumbled upon. If this wasn't on the docket for the last three or four weeks, I'd be shocked. They had to get the cameramen together. They had to put the set together. Somebody actually seared a steak. Two of them, this, this was a real thing that they did, and now I'm convinced he's the greatest. I will never disrespect Chris Jericho ever again. He's the greatest of all time. No, somebody said it online. Can you imagine Chris Jericho in the WWE pitching that shit to Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock or even any of the new guys? Could you see him walking up to Roman Reigns like, yeah, I want to do this musical deal with you? And he'd have just been like, are you fucking high? Are you serious? Can you imagine any of these people? Because people are like, well, the WWE does stuff like this all the time. With who? Who, who can you see on a, high, on a main event level? Not any of those frivolous little guys who's trying to get over and they'll do whatever to get on the show. High level. Because Jericho and MJF are the two main event heels. So we're talking about these are the two top guys. What top guys in what era ever, including today, on any other program, would have done that skit with Chris Jericho? Nobody. And I feel bad for MJF because I, I'm sure he was down for it. But if he wasn't, I don't think he would have had. A, I don't think he had a choice in this. To be honest with you, he just. Damn. I'm gonna make it work. I thought it was, I thought it was, was funny. I didn't think it was that bad. No, I, I mean, it, you just said it yourself. It was so bad it was good. You weren't laughing because they genuinely got a laugh out of you, dude. You were laughing because it was goofy. Like, this is yeah, I mean, I was kind of saying, "What am I watching?" Yeah, yeah like this I, is. I, I, don't know, I don't know. Like I like I could have done without it, but, but if the you, way you and I'm assuming a lot of people are saying the same thing. The way you're making it sound like it was the worst thing in the world. I, I didn't say it was the worst. Generation would ever look at this. I never said it was the worst. Believe me, I've seen a lot worse shit. But this, this. Whew. When you when you want to talk about worse, that that might be a segment for a whole other show because we, I mean Triple H 
wearing a mask and fucking a mannequin in a casket. It's pretty much up there. There's a lot of goofy shit that have happened, especially the May Young giving birth to a hand is pretty much up there, too. We've done some silly shit. I'm not going to defront. But just because somebody else has done some goofy shit doesn't make this any less goofy. I laughed. But I, I, laugh. go- I laughed for a whole other reason than what they were trying to get me to laugh for. I respect it. You respect it? <laughs> No, just God. having fun, man. Just two kids having fun. Just two kids having fun. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> One of them is in his fucking 50s. Well, now that you're nice and steamed up and ready to go. Yeah, uh, yeah. One last topic. I know. Ugh. Well, I'm going to start <laughs> this topic off. Okay. Let me preface it first so people know what I'm going to talk about here. And I, and I don't want to go nearly as long as we did last time. So this is the last topic, and then we're going to move from here, and that'll probably be it. Uh, so I'm going to, I have an announcement I'm going to make, by the way, for next week's episode. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that toward the end. We'll end with some good shit because I'm All about right. to start a hollering night now. So cool. uh, I'm going to start off. I'm going to tell them what we're talking about, and then I'm going to give the floor to you for a second. Okay. To me. To you. Okay. you you'll, I'll explain. You'll understand what I'm talking about. So, so here's the deal. So, um, <clears throat> there was a conversation I had on Facebook. Mm. It was on somebody's Facebook page, and now because of the conversation that I've had, I've, I've, I'm electing to leave the name out. But here's the the uh, the post. I have it in front of me. What kills passion for wrestling? Right. This was. I'm assuming this was directed for people. That were in the business, but it does not state that. It just says what kills passion for wrestling, and wrestling fans have a passion for wrestling, so they got li- they got lumped. Yeah, that's, in. Very, that's very vague. I don't, yeah, it's I don't very vague. know why very vague. you would get that specifically for them. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, it was very vague. It, 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 so it could have been workers, it could have been fans. It could go either way. The reason why I'm upset is not for the fans because I can tell which, I could tell which one the fans were by the responses. But a lot of the people that commented on this, I know personally, and I know they're workers. Some of them are promoters or bookers or whatever you want to call them. But I know a lot of the people that were on this page. And their responses is what angered me. But before I get into what I'm about to say about this bullshit, I'm going to give the floor to you for a second. Because this is Mm -hmm. one of the bonuses to having you on the show now. Okay. Is there a way that you can quantify scale of 1 to 10? Because you've you've known me literally your entire life, okay, and okay, so can you, can you can you quantify? Can you explain to the audience, being my brother and being the the other kid in the house with me for so long, what my level of passion is for the wrestling business? Oh, it's on personally anyone that I've I've ever known. It's unmatched by a large margin. Now, I don't know a lot of other pro wrestlers or people who desire to become wrestlers. No, no, no. Just I, know quite a, I know quite a few fans, uh, yeah. but as far as how deep you've gotten into it and everything, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty deep. Uh, some of the stuff that you did, no one ever needs to do for the passion of any sport. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the old school thing of just like the oldest school computers that you could think of back when it was literally just for data and you could only store stuff on a floppy disk. Yeah, he had like, how many of those packs they, they probably just came in with like 50 packs or like 100 packs or oh, something the floppies, ridiculous. Right? 
and like you would have those filled and marked with the most outlandish shit that has to do with wrestling. It was completely unnecessary. You would re- any time that you weren't at that computer or watching wrestling, you were on the John reading about old school wrestling. Oh yeah, you, you go pretty deep, yeah. unnecessarily deep sometimes, but you're there. That's that's where you are. That's where your passion is. That's what you love. So. High, high up. It's high up, right? Yeah, it's, it's a twenty-two on a one to ten. <laughs> now, follow-up question: Do you think, you personally, knowing me as well as you do, do you think there is anything, or anybody, anything that can happen, or anybody that could do anything to get me to lose said passion for the wrestling business? Um. Mm, he- See, I think I, I think I know where you're going with this now because I'm going to be honest with you. I know this sounds like this is a, a back and forth we've planned. I have no clue what he's mad about, guys. I'm just as thrown as you guys because he's been <laughs> saying this for a while and you're curious to what the hell he's mad about. I have no clue where he's going with this. But I feel like I know where you're going now. Mm-hmm. And yes and no. Could okay. it be the past? again his question is very vague so is he asking the passion for wrestling as in to be a wrestler or is he asking the passion for wrestling as in to love the sport and be an observer whether you want to wrestle or not wrestle you still follow it and it's a part of you because those are two completely different things and i think he's referring to actually being in the business not the actual love for the sport. Well, I see. I, but, but that's the thing. Either or, as a fan or as a worker, do you see a, a scenario that would take place where I would lose my passion for wrestling? You personally, probably yes. not. I mean, I've seen you. The lowest I've seen you as far as wrestling goes is you would not watch the whole shows. You would recap, you'd fast forward to the important parts, you'd stay educated, and then you'd move on. That's the lowest point I've ever seen you when it comes to wrestling. But that is very far apart of scenarios that actually happens, and you're usually very on top of or continuously consuming some type of wrestling. So no, I do not ever see you losing your passion, so to speak, for wrestling. No, I don't do that. Okay, so here's here's my problem with this, and I'm going to get more specific onto this post because this is the part that that upsets me, okay? I originally, because I've programmed my brain to think this way, whenever I, saw, whenever I see what kills passion for wrestling, I automatically assume working-wise. That was the first thing that popped in my head as, as someone right. in the actual business. Didn't even dawn on me the fan part because for me, the fan part's locked in. If 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 wrestling went off the air on TV, I'd still find a way to watch it because there's a lot of wrestling that's not on TV. I and to be fair, it. that's a fair point considering I again I don't know, but if this does come from some, the question is coming from someone who actually does wrestle, and then people commenting do wrestle, I could definitely see why you would go straight to passion for working the business, not watching it. So that makes sense, right? So that was like that was like my default thing in my brain. Okay. Right. So here's where the anger comes from. Because like I said when I started this, there's a lot of people who are in this group or commented on this that I know personally. And they revealed in their answers, they revealed very deep character flaws that upset me greatly. 
I was very disappointed in a lot of people that commented on this. Okay, I've I've ran my resume down. Okay, my my brother's here. He'll tell you I've been a fan of this shit since pretty much the beginning, and my actual pro pro career somewhere around 2010 2011 is when the ball really got rolling on my career right so about 10 years straight consecutive just doing shit right even when i stopped taking bookings i was still in the wrestling business doing shit and so i've competed in the ring i've done the ring announcing i've done the commentating i've done interviewing i've set up chairs i've set up rings i've sold tickets i've done everything every position you can have referee everything Booked, promoted, everything, everything, everything you can do in this industry, I've done to a degree, right? So I've experienced wrestling from all different facets. I've I've seen the wrestler side of things when it comes to management. I've been management, seeing it from the other side. I have a, I have the benefit of a vantage point from all of that. The reason I got into those positions is because I pushed myself to do that. I don't just train and wrestle every now and then and call myself a wrestler and don't do anything wrestling related for days and weeks at a time okay i'm I'm not in the wrestling business at my own convenience in my mind i'm in the wrestling business every fucking day so every fucking day i have to do something that contributes to being into the fucking business and there's a lot of people a lot of people that I feel that come into this industry, come into this business because they thought it was fun, they thought it was cool on TV, and they get in and they realize it's way more work than they want it to be, and then it, they just, instead of taking the responsibility themselves, it's everything else and it's everybody else to blame. Okay? So, I was angry at first, I've leaned more into frustration, and then to me, I think frustration means that I'm going to take more of a time to explain than just the whole vitriol of just being angry and just, fuck these people. Here's the best way that I can sum up a lot of this, but I'm going to get into specifics. Sometimes you're just not good enough to do what it is you want to do. Period. That's not me taking shots at anybody in particular. This is me stating a fact. And that's not even just a wrestling thing. That's a fucking life thing. There are a lot of people who dreamt of being police officers, who have no business being police officers. There are people who dreamed of being doctors, who don't have the ability to be fucking doctors. Sometimes, what was it I was told the other day? Passion does not equate to talent. Oh, that's a fact. Really, really wanting to do something does not mean you are owed or you are obligated to do it. Okay, this is why on this show that was the case. You'd be wearing the belt right now. Exactly. That's That's not not to you. It's just your body is not made for at that high level. I don't think it is. No, no, it's not. You're right. I've heard you you say that personally before. No, that the only thing that stopped you personally from becoming a bigger wrestler is that your body just could not hang. Yeah, I have no fear in taking the bumps and doing what's necessary to get a match over. My body, on the other hand, disagrees. (laughs) Right. <laughs> when I take those big bumps, it breaks and it it, right. it does it would not hold up to the pounding, which is why yeah. I'm a manager now. Yep. Because my brain works just fine and my mouth yeah. works fantastic. Just not for the things that you bitches use your mouth for. When the it crazy comes to thing around. is, you behind the right person could really make somebody successful. I but think. that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Right. That's right. The, the overall gist of this is, there's a lot of people who 
This is where the tough love part comes in. They're fucking excuses. They're excuses. You're, You're listing problems and you're listing things that are killing your passion because these things that are killing your passion, if they, and this is just an opinion that I'm sharing, if they can kill your passion, to me, you didn't really have the level of passion you thought you did. Okay? It's not, it's, it's, there are people who are experiencing the same thing you're experiencing, but flourishing. And you're not. Now, it's either a lack of focus, a lack of commitment, or, and this is the big thing, because no one wants to hear this, you're not good enough to do this. Period. Going to a wrestling school, paying hard-earned money to a person to teach you the basics of pro wrestling does not make you a pro wrestler. I've said this a thousand times on my show, and I have to bring this up again and again, and I will continue for as long as I have the show, continue to bring this up. Because people, this is the hardest part to tell people. You're not good enough to do this. I tell people all the time, you're, if, if you're years into the business, if you're at year six, seven, and eight, and you haven't gone anywhere, and you're barely making ends meet, and you're barely making bookings or anything, you're wasting your time. This business is a very flash-in-the-pan situation. You're either going to get hot or you're not. Now, if you're going to stay committed to it because you love it and because you have a passion for it and it's something you love doing, that's a different thing. I've been doing this 10 years. I have a passion for it. I love doing it. So I'm not worried about that part. But for someone to sit here and say, well, I'm not a success because this person said this or that person did that, those are excuses you yeah. were not talented enough to overcome one fucking person. That's not on them. That's on you. That's nature, man. That's human. That's, that's life. That's, that's everything. The flaw that a large population of the world has is that they, it's easier to point the finger towards, not even at someone, something else. It could literally be an object that could be the reason for someone's downfall. But to take the blame yourself and and it's almost like accepting failure and it's in a lot of people and it's uh, to 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 do that because it's just easier right i'm gonna go down the list okay i'm gonna make it quick because some of these are repeats so that i won't it won't take long to do this but i want to address all these every single one i want to address okay bad management that was one of the things that was put here that killed this person's passion for wrestling bad management you, if you want to avoid bad management, folks, I'll give you the best advice. If you want to avoid bad management, go to places that are good. Does that sound too easy? Well, AJ, I can't just go to any place I want. Exactly. If the only places that you're fucking with is bad management, guess what? That's because the good management people aren't interested in you. Well, that argument is kind of moot considering the era that we're in no one else should be able to hold someone else back if they have the talent because you can market yourself and even an idiot who doesn't give a shit about wrestling if he sees someone spectacular that person's in the main event they're gonna be on the flyer they're gonna tell fans you've got to see this fucking guy he's fantastic if you're just average run-of-the-mill dude doing the same shit everybody else is doing then yeah, motherfucker, you're going to be jobbing. You're going to be setting up seats. I'm going to be feeding you a bunch of bullshit. Because a lot of people, when they put bad management, they usually put that because they've been lied to. 
And the only reason that you've been yeah. lied to is because you, you believe the bullshit in the first place. Promoters do this shit all the time. Hey, uh, I would love to have you on the show. How much are you? 40 bucks. Well, I don't have 40 right now. I could drop a 20 on you now, but every show after that, I'll give you 40. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. They hook you with the from now on. When uh-huh. all they really needed was the right then, but they don't tell you that. So then you right. come in, they give you half your shit, they beat you to get their guy over, and then they discard you. And then you start hitting them up. And it's like, oh, I would like to come back. No, 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 you're good. And then all of a sudden, ugh, well, that place is run by an asshole. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, he's a bit of an asshole. That was a dick move. But that was <laughs> yeah, a business yeah. move, and you fell for it because you're, that's the tier-level talent you are. Yeah, you're but you. that's how you learn, though. Yes, but that's how you learn how to – that's how you, what you're learning from that is how people talk to you. It won't right. change your situation. Because you will hear that, and you go, oh, these promoters are full of shit. I get that. So on the next person, they go, hey, uh, what can I do? How, how much can I get you for? And they go, 40. Oh, uh, I'll give you 20 now and 40 from now on. Actually, sir, I kind of just need the 40. You know what they're going to do? All right, well, uh, I'll talk to my guy and see if we can get 40 for you. I'll hit you back up. And you'll never hear from that fucker again. And you didn't, right. and you didn't get the booking. Mm-hmm. So then they sit there and they go, well, if I step up and stand up for myself, I won't get booked. So then they take the bullshit money. And you know what ends up happening? All they get is bullshit money. They'll never get the real money because they bit on the bullshit. So now it's right. bad management. I'm not going to pay for pussy for, that's worth 100 bucks, And I'm not going to pay 100 bucks for that pussy if I was able to get that pussy for 40 Once you mm. took my $40, you will ne- you will never see my fucking $100. Ever. It's like, well, you know, this is technically $100. Bitch, it was $40 last week, and it'll be $40 next week if you want me to fuck it. Mm. And it's the same thing with these promoters. Once you bite, once you come down, they have you. That's it. That's where you are. There's no getting out of that. Very rarely does it ever go up. It goes up when you become worth more. But you don't become worth more there. What ends up happening is you go to a Fed. I'll throw random initials out. If you debut with ACW, just random. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Just random. ACW. And you train with them and you come up in the cards and you work your way up. You're going to get to a certain point. Because those fans are used to seeing you. So you're not as big of a draw after a certain amount of years, right? So the promoter will pay you 20, 40 bucks, whatever, 60 bucks, depending. Bullshit money. And no matter what you do in that company, in that promoter's eyes, you're a $40 guy. That's it. That's what you are. I don't care how many made events. I don't care how many tables you went through. I don't care how many belts I gave you. You're 40 bucks. The only way that changes is if you change perception. So what happens is, is you... In order for you to get more money, you have to gamble on yourself. So what happens is you tell the promoter, thank you for everything you've done for me. You're absolutely fantastic. Uh, I love coming here. It's a family atmosphere. But, you know, I got some shit coming up, bills. I got a life to live. I can't do this for 40 anymore. So, um, I mean, unless you can do 80, uh, uh, at least 80 for me, I can't come back. And the promoter's obviously going to tell you no because he's been getting you for 40. And every wrestler caves. Right when it comes to not getting bookings, so they go, oh, you know, I appreciate what you've done. Thank you for everything you've given me. You've been a fantastic guy. Um, I don't necessarily know if I can give you eighty right now. I have to get back to you. Um, but once we figure that out, I'll call you. We'll set up the next booking. But until then, um, just wait for my call. And they go, okay, cool, no problem. You shake hands and you go about your business. And you're never gonna hear from him again. But when you left, you got booked somewhere else and got over hard. Right, FCW, whatever. 
and you got over hard and you're on the internet pay-per-views and you're all over the YouTube channel. Now you're becoming a fucking name on the Indies. You're beating stars, right? And all of a sudden you become this big thing. Here comes ACW. They're going to call you on the phone. Hey, brother, we found those 80 bucks for you. Wanted to know maybe if you wanted to come back and do a few shots. But now you're making two, three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So now you call out. the when the, you return the promoter's phone call. Hey, I love the fact that you guys gave me an opportunity. You guys gave me my break. I love that. I appreciate the fact that you called me for the eighty bucks. Uh, my fee's a little different now, as you can tell. I've been traveling around a lot. I just came back from Japan. We're doing some things. I normally shoot for about three or four hundred dollars. But you guys gave me my start, not for nothing. But if you guys can throw me 150, we'll call it even. I'll, I'll drive myself over. Now you're making fucking money from the fucking guy who wouldn't give you a fucking dollar for a hot dog. Now he's going to give you 100 and something dollars. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts. But you only get there when you improve, when you gain a following, and when your talent shines out and you ball out. If you can't do that, you are a $40 nigga for life. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So it doesn't matter how many 450s you can do. It doesn't matter how many family members you sell tickets to. If you're not drawing an audience, if you're not drawing attention, if nobody's paying the fucking see you, you're making nothing. Right. So, yeah, bad management because people are going to lie to you. Of course they're going to lie to you. They see you as a piece of shit. Until you change your... Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. Hundreds of billionaires. If he walked into an Amazon facility for shits and giggles and the fucking mailroom guy asked him for a raise, he'd spit in his fucking face. How dare you address me? Who the fuck is this? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? And they would look at that and go, what a bad guy. He's such a bad manager. But you know what? He's feeding all you motherfuckers. And he's a billionaire. This is how business is. This isn't wrestling. This is business. The C, the guy or the girl, I can't, I don't remember the name. Whoever runs PepsiCo is not walking around fielding emails from field supervisors out in the districts. This is not happening. Okay? This this does not work that way. Management for a wrestling company has one fucking goal. Make money off of my brand. All of the individual wrestlers that come under their program doesn't mean a fucking thing to any of them. None. From Vince McMahon all the way down to your local promoter. The job is very simple. I need to generate funds for my company. Period. End of discussion. If that means that Joe, Tom, Dick, and Harry all are going to do a four-way for me for 10 bucks a piece, then that's what it's going to be. As soon as Tom, Joe, Dick, and Harry come back and say, well, we just had a banger of a match. If we can move that 10 to 30, you will never again see Tom, Dick, Joe, and Harry ever again. You know why? Because we replaced them with Paul, Tom, Jerry, and Sean, who are more than happy to work for the 10 bucks. (laughs) That's it. For as long as there is a person next to you who can do what you do, you will never make money in this business. Period. That's a part, man. Period. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next one here. Politics, backstage politics. Okay, let me define, because he also wrote bad management, lack of support, and personal issues. I can't touch personal issues. If personal, if there's something going on in your life that's ruining your passion for fucking everything, that's a you thing. I can't. That's something that you got to handle. That's something going on with you. I can't touch that. Backstage politics. 
Th- that's yeah, but it, it is an answer to the question. It is it is an answer to the question, though. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying I have no solution for that. That's a personal issue. Like I can see someone right. losing their right. passion for something, even if it's not wrestling. I can see you losing passion just in general when personal shit is happening to you, a death in the family, a, a divorce, uh, a sick kid, whatever the fuck, right? I can see you losing passion and shit when that shit happens. So I can't touch mm-hmm. that. But something like backstage politics. Do you know what backstage politics is? If you had to take a guess, what would you think backstage politics is? Uh, if I had to take a guess, I would imagine he's referring to, uh, like promoters playing favoritism towards certain people Mm -hmm. or yeah, pretty much. That's what I would think. Uh, that's a part of it, but it's, it, that's more of the rare form. Every promoter plays favorites. Everyone kind of comes accustomed to that. That's smart. You know, if, if you're the local newspaper guy and you, you, you are run a team of 10 newspaper boys and two out of ten of those newspaper boys sell a whole lot more than the other eight. Guess what? I like those two really, really a lot because they make mm-hmm. me a lot of fucking money. That's common sense. But so I don't. I'm not gonna put it on the promoters on this one. But backstage politics usually tends to mean that you work the show one day, okay, with a guy named Tom. You and Tom worked the show, and you and Tom went in the ring and had a match that was caca. It was doo doo. There was nothing about that match that was interesting at all. It sucked. It was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then you went off, did something, he went off and did something. Now, Tom is figured in to this other company down the street. He's figured in. He knows the promoters, knows the bookers. It's like his home fed. You know, he's there all the time. So you're hitting up people to see if you can get some bookings, and you head over to them and say, hey, you know, I, I work cheap. I'm nearby. I'm an easy drive over. If you ever need an extra hand and some extra talent, let me know. The promoter looks over this and says, oh, I'm kind of interested. I don't know. I don't know this kid. Here comes Tom. Oh, no, nah, I just worked him last week. He's the shits. Don't book him. <laughs> really? Don't book him. Yeah, yeah, we had a bad match like a day ago. He's the shits. He's horrible. You had one, mad, one bad match with one person. All of a sudden, you're stained now because that promoter now looks at your name forever and just goes, well, he's the shits, right? So I'm not booking him anymore. Right. And then that promoter who talks to other promoters because we all talk together, he sees that you're interested in this guy. Uh, you shouldn't book him. I was just talking to Tom the other day. He's the shits. Oh, my God. He's the shits. I don't want a guy who's the shits on my show. And then so <laughs> on and so forth. And the next thing you know, you can't get a booking in your own state because everyone's talking to each other. All of a sudden, it's been you know, Matt, unanimously decided that you're the shits. That's backstage politics. It's, it, it's not even about matches either. I, I've literally seen people have no contact with each other at a wrestling show. No contact. They're both on the same card, have not said shit to each other. But when the show was over, these two found each other at the same 7-Eleven on the way home. And one dude got the last Slurpee cup and he said, well, fuck this guy. And he called Tom on the phone. Don't ever book this fucker again. He took the last Slurpee cup and I, I never want to see his fucking face again in the locker room. And y'all think I'm, la- y'all think I'm joking and that's a real fucking story. That's a real fucking story. I was leaving the show. I was dying for that blue raspberry Slurpee. I said, fuck it. In the ring, I'm getting choked up. I'm like, well, it'll be worth it when I get that blue raspberry Slurpee. And then I went to 7-Eleven, and this fuckhead took the last blue raspberry Slurpee. Fuck this guy. I never want to see his ass again. That's backstage politics. But you know how you overcome that? Talent. Because if that same guy would have been fucking phenomenal, right? 
That guy was a fucking, he balled out. He had match of the night. Like, this motherfucker has money written all over him. Looks good, cuts a promo, gets in the ring and does outlandish shit. I mean, just grabs attention, just makes the fucking fans never forget his face, right? Goes to that same 7-Eleven. Not only does he take the last blue raspberry Slurpee, but he takes his dick out in front of this dude and just, yeah, go ahead and say some shit. And he calls Tom on the phone and goes, fuck this guy. He took the last blue raspberry Slurpee. I don't want this guy booked ever again. That promoter would look at him and say, shut the fuck up. Get mm-hmm. fucking white cherry, brother. Like, there's other options. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that promoter is not going to fucking sit here and blackball you when he knows well, he's going to make money off of you. That takes me back to what I said for the first thing. It's So far, these the ones that you're going over are two things are involved that you can completely negate that and that talent and that, uh, you know, managing and working yourself, getting uh, eyes on you via all the resources that we have today uh, to put yourself out there. Like these things, it can be harder. It's definitely much harder, but a lot of these things are negated just solely by promoting yourself and putting the right things in front of people's eyes. I have a list, bro. This is a real list on my computer, on my laptop. Every now and then when I get bored, or if I'm not doing nothing, I'm on the can or I'm watching TV or something, I go on my Facebook page and I just type in pro wrestling. That's it. And I pick a company and I'll just hit the like button. And then the, when you hit the like button, it gives you like related groups or whatever, or pages. Hey, if you mm-hmm. like this, here's a suggested. And I'll, and I'll like, I like all the companies. Any company that I find that's currently running at that time, I like it. Over and over and over and over. And I, what happened on my Facebook is I started developing this long list of companies Ooh, and your favorites. You're attacking the algorithm. So, right. So what happened was is, yeah, so eventually I started getting suggested shit when I wasn't even paying attention to it. And then one day, I just dedicated a full fucking day. I mean, morning to evening. Full fucking day I dedicated. I went to each group and I wrote emails down, websites, other social medias like Twitters and Instagrams. I wrote all that down and I put it on a Word doc. I currently have a Word doc for many companies, for every state, even Hawaii and Alaska and all kinds of shit. And this document must be well over 100 pages long. And whenever I decide, okay, I'd like to get some work, right? I'd like to take some bookings. I start sending my shit to that information. Easy peasy, right down the list. Left click, paste. Left click, paste. Over and over and over. And you know what ends up happening? I end up working. Because that's how this shit works. You have to dedicate your time. There's people who are in here, bad management. Then go to the good management. Because you're, you're either because you're either you're either pigeonholing yourself because you only want to work the companies you can drive to in your immediate area. Right? You're not expanding yourself out. There's a lot of good talent and a lot of good promoters that are out there that love outside talent that don't know about you. Tell them who you are. What's the worst they can tell you? No, you're too far. No, you're not worth the money. No, your face looks like something I stepped on earlier on the way to the house. I, what, it doesn't really fucking matter. You're not putting in the work. This is where the passion part comes through. That's why it's like, well, what can make you lose your passion? If you can't do this, if you can't sell yourself, you don't have the passion you think you do. There's a, there's a, the next one here, light gates. This comes, he said light gates, which means they didn't make a lot of money on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what Light Gates is. This is coming from one of the promoters I told you about. Okay, he's no longer a, prom- a promoter in the industry. 
You know why? He was shitty at it. And I know, because he booked me. So I was there. <laughs> so I know he was shitty at it. He's one of these promoters, and he found out fast. That's why he doesn't do it anymore, and he got out of the business, because he's one of these dudes that saw the wrestling business, thought it was a lot of fun, but he's one of those that said, you know what, it is a lot of fun, but I think it would be more fun if I was running it. So he decided he was going to take his W-2, he was going to get his returns, and he was going to spend a bunch of money, right, and he was going to put a show together and put a company together, okay? And he's like one of these mark-ass fanboys. They went and they grabbed a bunch of emails on the internet and just threw a bunch of money at names, right? Uh, David Hart Smith, British Bulldog's son, and just started dropping names, right? That's, that's how you make a, a good wrestling company, right? He got a nice little artist to come in and make some flyers for him, and he just he just PayPal'd a bunch of fucking random-ass people and filled out his card with some minuscule little middle card, whatever. I'm one of those jabrones, so I don't People, I don't want people thinking like I'm promoting myself as one of those high-tier people he just threw money at. No, I was one of the lower-tier guys. I was managing. I was a manager. And I was on the show. Actually, uh, eight-match card. I was matches two and three. I managed my tag team in the second match and managed my monster in the third. Okay? So I was booked. I, I, got, I got the call. I was there. And I saw it. And yes, the gates were light. Yes, there were seats that were empty. Because he found out really fucking fast. The wrestlers can only draw if the promoters and bookers can put them in a position to be money. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the creative, no one's paying to see David Hart Smith be David Hart Smith. That's stupid. I have a YouTube account. I can see David Hart Smith at his best anytime I want. Why am I going to pay to go to some god-awful place in New Jersey Okay, and pay 20 bucks to go sit in this fucking room. It's a fucking diner hall, this room, and watch this former WWE guy beat up, beat up Jay Barone number two uh, in front of me. What the fuck is, what is making me come to see this? Nothing. They didn't promote it. They didn't sell anything. They just said, we're wrestling in this building on this date with this fucking guy in it. Come check it out. Fuck you. We're not coming. And they didn't come. I tried. I remember that whole time. My whole deal, I remember telling him, is I want people to, when they see us, when they see me and the GOAT, because that's who I was managing at the time, right? I'm managing the Zoltan and I'm managing Rays. And we had two separate matches. The way they had it booked was I was going to do one match early in the show. We were going to break up their main event with my tag at the end. And they thought, oh, your tag match is in between the main events, right? He's going to be happy. And I was fucking mad. I was like, why is my tag match that far up on the card when you need us earlier in the card? Because the way that I had this tag match figured out, my, my guys, we were going against uh, Super Savages, Montague and Caveman. You're familiar with those two guys. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to steal it because we're going to go bonkers. We're going to do a bunch of crazy shit. You don't want that going on before David Hart Smith. That's ridiculous. It's bad booking. It's going to make them look stupid because they're not going to wrestle at that speed. I'm not saying we're better wrestlers. I'm saying the speed is going to throw it. We're going to do a bunch of crazy shit, double power bomb, this, 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 get the crowd on their feet, and then David Hartsmith is going to go in there with some no-name and do a fucking side headlock. It's not going to work. So I pitched a bunch of shit that had all of the crazy shit go on earlier in the show, right? Here's what we'll do. We'll do the tag match second, right? Pop them hard. Just fuck them up. 
And the third match, right after that, I'll transition. I come out, I'll do a heel promo, really piss them off. Here comes the tag match. We get them on their feet. We do a bunch of crazy shit, but we get a heel victory there, right? That's where we get our heel victory, right there, boom. And we just got the victory, a dirty win. I'm hyped because my guys just won, so I'm, I know I'm making money tonight, right? We're good. We're playing with house money. So I got the big monster with me, 300-pound-plus you know, destroyer over here. Fuck all this noise. We're riding hot. We're going to let this shit ride. I'm not waiting until tonight to do this. Pinky Sanchez, bring your bitch ass out here right now, and we're going to fight right now. And he came out, and we we got into another exchange, and we ended up turning it into a fucking street fight. No rules. And these motherfuckers fought all over the building. So basically, between my tag match and my singles match, we spent total 45 minutes in front of that audience. And when that shit was over, everybody was fucking hype. That building was on its fucking feet when we left, okay? There was like one more match, which was really good. I forgot who it was, but I remember it being a really good match. And then they had intermission. So we're talking about an hour and change of solid fucking wrestling. Like This was exciting shit. And then we came back from intermission. And all these high-priced guys that he paid for, former WWE guys, okay? I named David Hart Smith, but there were others. I don't remember their names. And they went out there, and they fell asleep because they're fucking WWE guys, and they don't give a fuck about this company. They don't give a fuck about the people that came to see them here. They went out there. they they, They played their music. They did their taunts. Did a few sequences here and there. One, two, three, easy payday. Got dressed and fucking left. That's what you get for your money. That's why it didn't draw anybody. Because the people you should have been promoting didn't get promoted, so they didn't know that we were on the show. So for the people who came anyway, they had a great show. They enjoyed themselves. But the people who decided otherwise didn't get convinced. Now, what you do now from there is you take footage of that outlet. I'm not even just including my shit. The, The match that was on before us and the match that was on after us was also fire. Take all four of those matches. Clip that shit up. Put that on the internet in pieces. Not even full matches. Just pieces. Throw a few sequences in there. Throw some promos in there. Because we did promos. They didn't even ask us to do promos. We did promos to put over our shit. Mm-hmm. So put those promos with the clips. Talk, talk to them about the story. Because we told the story. I don't fucking like the Super Savages. They're superheroes. They're playing make-believe. These are characters. These people are eating it up like children. No, we're real. We're street fighters. We want to fuck them up. You know, we told the whole thing, and they did a whole promo about us being assholes, and it was great. It was fantastic. You know what they did with all this footage? Nothing. Mm. Those matches never made it onto the internet. They never got clipped. They, the promos went nowhere. Nothing. We, th- I got a copy of those matches six months later with no commentary on them. And they had commentators on site. So I asked him, I responded when I saw it. I said, where is the commentary for this? And he was like, oh, they did commentary, but they never gave us the audio. Six months, bro. Mm. Never got the audio for him. You want to talk about bad management? That's bad management. And then they they put light gates with smiley faces on it. Like, it's hilarious. I'm like, this is what we're talking about here. Did it kill my passion? Hell no. I just chalked him up as an idiot and went on to the next fucking company. And the next yeah. company got it right. Because the next company we went to was 2KW. And we got over. With the same fucking people, too. Now that I think about it. Zoltan versus Super Savages got over there, too. Right. Same fucking setup. You gotta, you gotta roll with this shit. This whole, it killed my passion. Bro, it happened to me, too. It didn't kill my passion. 
It fired me up. I went to the next show. It fucking did it better and harder, and it worked. Right. You can't sit here and tell me that. Let's put this dude over here all. The wrestling business is backstabbing bullshit and vicious like boxing and politics. I hate to say most people are ignorant and morons. Take it from this old school guy. What's most what's important is your health and well being. Yeah, I know the guy who posted that. He is an old school guy. He's like in his fifties. He's been retired for like fifteen years. So he's talking about early two thousands, nineties locker rooms. He's not even talking about now. So right. he's so he's been disregarded. Garbage wrestlers playing politics and think they can actually wrestle. See, this is more of this bullshit. Politics. Politics. One guy said one thing to one promoter, and all of a sudden you can't get a booking because of politics. No, because you suck. You're not good. That's why nobody else... Who is this one guy that has the ability to blackball you from the entire wrestling business around the world? Who'd you, whose coffee did you piss in that this one dude... You know how many, this is not even, and I'm shooting here, this is for real. You know how many rapists? You know how many child molesters? You know how many wife beaters? You know how many people who have murdered, assaulted, robbed? You know how many people are in the business right now who have not only been accused of these things, but have been convicted for them and are still working in our business, but you got blackballed because of a 7-Eleven cup? No, motherfucker, you're not good. You're not blackballed. You're not good. Can you imagine how talented you have to be to rape a woman on camera, get arrested, go to jail for two or three years for that crime, and immediately come out and work matches? Got booked immediately. And his name I won't drop because I'm not trying to put him over and have people start Googling him and get him more attention. But for those who know, no, Google it. This is a real thing. This happened. Raped a woman, got convicted, did time for it, came out of jail, and started working matches almost instantaneously. There was like a booker waiting for him to come out. That's crazy. But you're blackballed. This blackballing does not exist in this industry. It doesn't happen. As long as you've got the talent to be in it, you'll be in it. If you don't, then they access you. Wasting the, time, wasting the primes of talented performers by sidelining them for months at a time. You weren't that good. Wasting the primes of talented performers. Talented performers meaning guys that you liked. Because everybody has talent to a degree. You don't do years in this industry having no talent. Right. You have to have some sort of ability to do it. Even backyarders at some point, you figure out, okay, this is going to be bad. He shouldn't be here no more. Toxic right. people with their politics. Here we go again. I can attest to this because it was killing it for me. Toxic, egotistical attitudes. And I know what they're talking about with that. Bad attitudes, where it's like, oh, I'm not going to job for this guy. I'm not going to job for that guy. Who the f- who is you? You don't work. Like, can, can you imagine the arrogance and the conceit of a guy who works at fucking AutoZone all day for almost no money and, and, and goes home to TV dinners and no family and just nothing. He just has nothing going on in his life. He, he's just, his, his cat got sick with tuberculosis like a week ago. His rent is due. He's short. Like he's just down on his luck. But he, but he puts his wrestling tights on every Saturday, goes to the building, and refuses to do a job for Jeff. Like that's the kind of arrogance. That's what they're talking about when they say uh, toxic, egotistical attitudes. It's that guy. 
because he was the champion one time seven years ago for about two months because the promoter had no choice because everyone who had talent left. So he didn't have anyone else to put it on. He gave it to you, so you became a star in your head. And now you can tell people who you can and can't lose to. I run into those every day. And you know what I do in those situations? I I don't fuck with those people. Mm. Very simple. Because another part of the problem with these people is that they believe in their heart. That they're still fans. That's the problem they have. They're still fans in their heads. So they go, oh, I mean, he's being an asshole, but... If if uh, I'm supposed to win the, the junior cruiserweight, lightweight, whatever fucking championship tonight, and if I say something, I might not get the opportunity. Fuck that. This guy's being a dick. Oh, you know, the promoter come over. All right, we're going to do this, 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 and then, uh, you know, AJ's going to beat you with an elbow off the top. Well, I don't know if I feel like losing from an elbow from the top. All right, what do you feel like losing? I'll do this, this, this. There's some convoluted bullshit. So I'll look at the promoter. I don't want to do that shit either, so fuck him. Give him somebody else. Right. I don't need to. I don't need to wrestle him. I'll wrestle somebody else, and we'll put on a banger match, and it won't matter. Oh, but you, you I'm gonna get promoters will do that too. Well, I'm, I, I need you to have the belt. Then tell him that. You need me to have the belt more than you need him to have the belt. Go over there, and tell him that tonight I'm gonna beat him with a double off the top. And if he's got a problem with that, he can kiss your ass and go home. But you're not gonna tell him that because you're friends or whatever your scenario is. You'd rather me go over there and bitch myself out and beg and plead him to do his own fucking job. No. Go over there, be a boss, tell him he's going to lose tonight with an elbow off the top, and if he's got a problem with that, he can take his envelope and he can go home. Mm. That's how that's supposed to be handled. Don't fucking tell me that he's going to do what he's going to do. Fuck him. He's nobody. Just like I'm nobody. I'm here to do a job. He's here to do a job. You told me what you need me to do. Now go tell him what he needs to do. If the roles were reversed, you wouldn't even have this problem. That's why you want the belt on me. Because you know that I'll do business. You have an asshole over there who won't do business for you. I ran into this in Texas. And this one, uh, I will name names because he's an asshole. I don't mind saying it. Car- Car- uh, Carson, uh, Houston Carlson, who was supposed to be wrestling uh, my guy, Joseph Von Schmidt, in the main event of my Texas show in Dallas. Okay. He, we booked this exact match that I needed. This is what I need. Blah, 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 blah. And everybody agreed to the match. Yosef did and Carson did. Everything was fine. And then I left to go do some other shit. And all of a sudden, Yosef walks over to me about midway through the show and tells me, yeah, he's, he's not really fooling that finish. He wants to do something else. I said, excuse me? They're like two matches away from going out there. I'm mm-hmm. running the show. This is my show. Right? We laid down this finish hours ago. Everything was fine. We're two matches away, and he's telling Von Schmidt that he doesn't want to do this finish. Right. I said, no, 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 this is the finish that we have to do. And he goes, do you want me to like figure out another finish? I said, no, this is the finish that we have to do. I will, I told, I, and, 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 and he was like, all right, cool, I'll just tell him what's what. Now, Von Schmidt's a professional. He's not going to get intimidated. But the problem is, is that I'm friends with Von Schmidt, and we're cool outside of the wrestling thing, and he doesn't want to do something that would shit on me. He right. wants to kind of keep it even keel. So he went to me first, and I said, I'll take care of it. And he said, okay, fine. Because he was like, he was trying to find a way out. He's like, oh, we'll come up with a different finish. No, this is the finish. That's it. Now, in my head, I don't even care how we did the finish, to be honest with you. This was just a point of, I can't let this motherfucker come into my company. This was his debut. And tell me how my finishes are going to go. 
Right. So I made it a point. I told him, you go back, you tell him that you spoke to me, and this is how the finish is going to go. So he did that. About him, well, I think we got one match left, and Von Schmidt comes back to me. He's he's really complaining, and he's bitching. I said, okay, cool. I said cool. Go get him. We're going to go talk over here in the corner. So we come in the corner, and I brought Carson's envelope with me to the corner. And I said, this is this is how we're going to do this, okay? I gave you guys the finish. This is the finish we're going with. If you feel uncomfortable with this finish, for whatever reason, and I didn't ask him what the reason was because I don't care. Right. Okay? If you feel uncomfortable with this finish, I completely 100% agree with how you feel because he was, he's a, he was a name in Texas. I'm the new guy in Texas. He's the name. So I right. said, if that's how you feel, that's fine. I have no problem uh, 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 letting you out of this situation. Here's your envelope. I will go out there right now, and I will tell them that you um, were injured and couldn't make it out here tonight, and we'll figure something else out. And he got all wide-eyed at me, and he looked at me, and he was like, well, what else can you figure out? Main event's next. I said, I will put Von Schmidt into that ring with my entire roster in a battle royal, and I will have Von Schmidt beat the snot out of every one of those motherfuckers all in one fucking shot. And dominate and eliminate every motherfucker. I will have Von Schmidt beat my whole locker room tonight. Then watch you come in here and tell me how I'm going to book my show. That's how I feel about this. That's how far I'm willing to go. Here's your envelope. You're free to leave. I'll save face for your name. I'll go out there and tell them that you had an injury. You couldn't make it. So we're doing a battle royal for something else. And I'll make it up. I don't give a fuck for the... I don't know, fucking crazy curly Larry Moe Three Stooges trophy. Whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. Point is, <laughs> is you're not going to fucking tell me how to book my show. Period. Even if you're a better booker than me. I don't care. It's my show. So right. this is the finish. If you want to leave, here's, I'm going to pay you to leave. Here's your envelope. You can leave. But if you're going out there, this is the finish. And he said, okay, no, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll do what I have to do. And then I just kind of eyed him for a little bit. I told him straight up. I said, this is real. I told him, I said, if you agree to go out there and do the finish, everything's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. If you go out there and you call an audible and you do some other shit, I'm telling Von Schmidt right now to his face, fuck him up. I told Von Schmidt, you are to fuck him up. And if Carson decides that he wants to do something about that, Let's remind Carson right now that well, although we are in Texas, I rolled deep in Texas. More than half of these people came on a plane with me. Okay, so hmm. we can we we listen. <laughs> we can do business or we can not do business. And what ended up happening was everybody did business. It was fine. Right. But he just needed to be reminded. This is how this is going to go. Now that's an example of good leadership and management. Because at the end of all that, we got to where we needed to be. And the funny thing right. is, is that the finish is him winning. I just needed him to win a certain way so that I can keep Von Schmidt in a position of contention because they were going to compete for the title at some point. Right. I just needed them even. Carson's going to go over, but I needed them somewhere, somewhere close to each other. And he wanted to just ball out and just beat this fucking guy. I'm like, no. I, not, I did not fly out Yosin Von Schmidt from Connecticut to Texas for you to just Molly Wop. That's not going to happen. It's not a good good use of my money, sir. If right. that's at all possible. So yeah, I'm done going through this list. But this is the, a lot of the stuff that pissed is just excuses. It's excuses. Look, promoters who steal from their own brand. 
That came from a promoter, by the way. Right. Like shit like that. It's politics. Rehash storylines, which is dumb. How could a rehashed storyline make you lose res- uh, passion for wrestling? Because we have original storylines in 2020 for a sport that's been going on since the 1800s. Figure that one out for me. I don't know. Well, they saw, like, all comes down to they saw something, they liked it, they want to be a part of it, and it just sometimes doesn't work out exactly the way that they envision it. But that's the difference between desire and passion. Those are two different things. And it sounds like some of them may may be mixing that up or think that they had passion, or whatever the case may be, but it is what it is, man. You're going you're gonna to be great, you're going to rise to the top, or you're not. It's just facts. Excuses upon excuses upon excuses. All right, brother, we ran longer than we should have, but I wanted to get all that out there, and I definitely wanted it recorded so that people will not misunderstand where I'm coming from with this shit, because I spoke to a few people about this. This, this uh, I lost my passion because of this. Fuck you. You didn't have any. Either that or you didn't have the talent to match it. Period. And then the goddamn story. There was one you skipped over there. I was hoping you said it about the guy who says the only person that can kill your passion for something is yourself. Well, I didn't have a complaint about that one. That That's, well, that's, that's a true point, honesty. Yeah, that's a true honesty. Argument. It is. It is. I, I, uh, I probably <laughs> overlooked it because it was so close to my argument. But, yeah, because I, I didn't want to keep repeating the same thing over and over. But, yeah, that's that's essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah you like, you're in control of that. Or at least you should be. I know a lot of people have, like, a little, the whole mental illness and the whole down on myself thing is, like, a real popular thing right now on this earth. But you still have some modicum of control over that. Some. You know, like I said earlier with uh, the other guy's post, the personal issues shit. Like, there's some things you can't handle. I get that. Some things right. that, that, that are against, that runs against you, you can't control. There's, not everyone's perfect. I get it. But some of these, most of these, were just flat out of fucking excuses. Push harder. Get around this shit. If you really want it, you got to put in the work. There's no right. other way around it. There's no shortcut to success on this. If you want to do something in this business, you got to push. I didn't get to all these positions because I just sat back and waited for my next booking. I make my bookings happen. Literally, if I say to myself right now, okay, I want to work this weekend, I do what I have to do to make that shit happen. Plumbers, you know, plumbers, electricians, people who own their own little companies and, and make money based off how many jobs they get, they don't have the luxury of sitting at home going, well... You know, whenever a house manages to find me on the yellow pages, I'll be good. That's not how that works. They got to they gotta eat. They got to go out there and they got to make money. That's how yep. independent contractors work. Independent contractors work harder than the employees. Employees, they show up 9 to 5 and they go home. Independent contractors, this is a 24-7 job. They got to go out there. You got to make money. Go, 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 go. <laughs> they don't understand that. They don't want to work, but whatever. All right, so we're good. Uh, oh, the announcement. So, I don't know. I'm dropping this on Dave because Dave hasn't even <laughs> heard this yet. But it was a last-minute decision. But uh, I don't know about all of you guys, but Halloween's kind of canceled for us. <laughs> We're not doing a whole lot of trick-or-treating, obviously, with this whole corona stuff going on. I don't know how you – are you guys getting dressed and doing all that shit for no. parties, like Halloween parties or anything like that? Cause I, don't even know I might have popped the bullet this year. You might have dodged a bullet. <laughs> well, we we still got our. We're not doing trick or treating, obviously, but we still bought costumes and stuff because we're gonna do uh, a kid hangout for Alex, a buddy of his or whatever, just so right. he doesn't feel completely left out or whatever. So we ended up getting costumes anyway. So it just dawned on me 
uh, I haven't done a live show for October. The show that you joined me for was, uh, oh, no, it was. It was October 11th I went live, right, for the anniversary. You're absolutely correct. Uh, so I was debating, and I was going to ask you about it. Should we go live next week for a Halloween special or just do a Halloween special like we're doing now recording? Oh, I'm with whatever. That's up to you. And if you're going to do a costume, fuck it. Let's go all in. It don't matter to me. Because I, I like the idea of doing it live because it's Halloween and we can do some Halloween-themed topics of discussion as far as, like, movies or even wrestling stuff because there's a lot of Halloween-related shit to that, too. It's like a big... A uh, big bag of uh, general topics we could do with that that would be pretty interesting. Plus, uh, the live aspect of having other people come on and contribute to that. I thought that would be cool. So, yeah. yeah. So, next week, right. next Saturday is Halloween. So, I'm obviously going to be doing stuff with the family. Like I just said, I'm going to do the hangout stuff. So, Friday, if you're available. Are you available Friday? Yeah. There you go. 7 p.m.? <laughs> Perfect to me. Sounds perfect to you. Friday, 7 p.m. We're going live for the Orsini's Uncensored Mind Halloween special. (laughs) Should be interesting. So thank you once again for coming on the show with me, bro. I hope this one... Are you getting into a rhythm yet or you still need a few more of these episodes to really feel like, damn, I'm doing this every week now? Uh, it's, It's actually speeding up my week. I was like anticipating it coming up. The weeks are going by really fast. Uh, and it is, it feels a lot better to actually have watched a lot of the content that you actually want to talk about. Yeah. So it makes the episodes feel a lot shorter too, because I actually understand and know what you're speaking and whom you're speaking of. So in a few months, so, you're gonna be a you're gonna be a beast because you're gonna be seeing these guys regularly. Oh, uh, dude, I I'm not gonna lie, I had a blast watching it. So hopefully, it doesn't get stale. Uh, with the variety, I don't see that happening. So, yeah, there's a lot of different see. styles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So we're good here. Episode 162 has been bequeathed. I need one of those xylophones, man. I was just like <laughs> something. I need some sound effects in here. I got a whole folder of drops I've never used. 162 episodes, and I've maybe used it maybe like five times. Uh, sounds to me like somebody's got a Christmas present coming. <laughs> Hold on. What is he? Maybe did they have? Uh... Here we go. Oh no! I wonder why. Here we go. I'll be back. <laughs> I don't oh. know. I have... All right. You know what? I I'm not getting <laughs> one. You you cannot be trusted. <laughs> all right. That wraps it up for today, boys. Okay, we're all, yeah, there you go. Bring that on. I got a whole folder full of this shit. Before I started episode one, I went crazy and downloaded a bunch of them because I'm like, yeah, I want drops. I'm on episode 162. I've used almost none of them. Uh, I think I used more just now than I have in any show ever in the history of fucking Orsini's Uncensored Mind. All right, cool. So I'll see you guys next week live. Halloween episode is going to be dope. Uh, I got some OTP stuff coming up that I want to talk about next week, too. So that should be interesting. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And, of course, thank you guys for sharing episode 162, man. This is going to be absolutely fun moving forward. 100 episodes now pay him. And make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best, so I don't know.